Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Got another amazingly exceptional, fantastic show here for you tonight. Scott Burnside of Daily Faceoff is going to join us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? Well, it's good to be back. I guess technically it's I'm not always with you because the last two weeks I haven't been. With me as most of the time. There we go. Christian, yes, welcome it's back. Nice you had back. a little sabbatical, but yeah. but you're back. Uh, yeah, how does it feel? Feels nice. It's It seems like nothing has changed. Not much has. We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> We're still here. We're still, still talking to Islanders, Islanders, and uh, they're still they're still they're keeping it interesting. Yeah, yeah. So before we jump into that, want to remind everybody that we are happy to be presented by R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It's the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head on down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HD TVs, and in-game sound. Mm-hmm. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. They are an official sp- uh, partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. For all the great offerings, also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And happy to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, owner of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand new home in UBS Arena, and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic offerings. And remember to get your questions in for the Questions Ruined segment brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. So, Christian, two nice wins. Yeah. Two disappointing losses. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, CA? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. I think the Islanders showed that they're still competing, which is nice. I think that for the first time in a while, I'd say I bought into the fact that the the refs and the officiating kind of mm-hmm. screwed the Islanders twice in the span of four games. A and that's, bit. Uh, I mean, it looked like it was headed towards three times in the span of four games with the two disallowed Kyle Palmieri goals on Saturday's win over the St. Louis Blues. So certainly an interesting turn of events there. But yeah, Islanders are definitely an interesting place. And, uh, you know, now as we get close to the trade deadline, we talked a lot, we're going to talk a lot about that with, with Scott Burnside. Yes. He's going to give us some insight there. But certainly a lot of questions that need to be answered as we get closer to there. And obviously a lot to look forward to as far as the, and when I say a lot to look forward to, I don't mean in anticipation, but sort of there's a lot of things to kind of focus in on once you get past the trade deadline, because I think at this point, everyone kind of knows where the season's headed and what is going to occur. Yeah. It's kind of an assessment period, right? Not just for the organization, but fans as well. Just how this team's performing going forward with the thought that they're, they're probably not headed for the postseason. So, you got the trade deadline looming, as you mentioned, on the 21st. Who do you keep? Who do you try to get something for as you get to the deadline? And, 
you know, you, you, you getting guys guys with a you know another opportunity here like Sebastian Ajo. He's jumped in a little bit with with Char being hurt, and they yeah. sat Green for a couple of games. So you kind of just have to look at the big picture now and see where everybody fits and and you know what you want to hang on to for the rest of the season heading into the summer and and where you might want to try to grab some assets to. I guess, add to the team over the summer as well. And it's disappointing in the sense that obviously no one expected this to be what we would be talking about or anyone would be talking about when it came to the New York Islanders this mm-hmm. season considering the way things went last season. So it's a little weird to kind of be, I don't want to say going backwards, but certainly backpedaling a little bit to where it almost seems like this team was and this organization was, you know, a couple of years ago where every year at this point, all right, let's see what's happening and what, what does this mean for next year? And what, you know, who are the guys that could take advantage of, of these opportunities going forward and right. this and that. And, you know, to kind of hear that again is a little, it's a little disappointing to say the least, because this is a team that had, has had so much promise and success in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, it seems like everyone top to bottom is going through sort of those same question marks. I know here at Hockey Night in New York, we're doing the same thing. We're reassessing. So many we're questions. We're going through questions. Should we bring Christian back? He was I gone mean, for I two think, weeks. I think those two weeks, obviously, <laughs> were, were, you know, we were testing out some new people. and uh, Had fun you know. with Mike. Had fun with Tony. Chris Botta did a great job. Yeah, as I don't a guest know. I feel uh, I don't know, man. You know, there's a lot of assessment going on, and, and every there's questions everywhere. Joking yeah. aside, though, it's certainly uh, you know it is it is disappointing to see the Islanders kind of take that that step back a little bit. I mean, I don't I don't want to say I don't think it could happen again next year, but my hope and my optimism is mm-hmm. that this is sort of the all right. This is the regression mm-hmm. that you see before the next big step forward, and yeah. I, that's the hope. I think that's the way. If if you try to you know be a positive. On the positive side of things, that's how you look at it. We, we've talked about the fact that they had a lot of things go wrong, yeah. and they still have a core that they're building around. This is a theme we've kind of used every every episode, and and I think there's reason to believe that. And they are playing better, not at the rate you need to right. to make it mean anything for this season, but there are some more bright spots to take. I mean, they finished their West Coast swing out to California and, and Seattle two two and one. You take that in a normal season. You're like that's fine, 500 100%. hockey this season. Especially obviously, at this point in the year, it doesn't help. Yeah, but <laughs> it it's not. it's not a bad way to go out west. You you know you get a couple wins and you grab grab some points. But more recently, we're seeing the team performing better. Uh, we, we've we've started to talk about over the last couple of weeks how guys like Zach Parisi and Kyle Palmieri have have woken up and they've had a yeah. bit of a resurgence and they're starting to put points up and. You know, there's the whole debate, is it because the pressure's off and they're out of it and, you know, maybe they're just kind of playing it a little more easier out there, Is it or is it just because it took this much time for them to get going? It's it's hard to say, but, you know, a lot of people were, were getting on those two guys, particularly Paul Mary, and the way he's just turned it around. He said, what is it? I think he has like six goals in his last ten or something like that. It would have been more if he didn't have two disallowed goals against the Blues. Right. <laughs> uh, yesterday. So I mean, it's 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 positive. It's, it's which is where, which is why, for the first time ever, I, I said to Sean, you know, I think that's the first time in a long time that I, I actually agreed with people saying that the officials were out to get to the Islanders because you almost, it was almost like they were trying to to prove that point. It's strange. You know, now that you brought it up, you look at that goal against Colorado, and, I mean, they called it a goal on the ice. And they always say to overturn a call, you need conclusive evidence to bring it back the other way. Now, unless there's some there's some views and angles that Toronto had, the stuff that I saw, and, and you know, there was plenty of people pointing out this one freezed frame right. of where it looked like there was a little smidgen of white between the goal line and the puck, 
where it looks like it's in. Right. Now, unless there was something else up in Toronto that we weren't privy to seeing, that doesn't tell me there was enough evidence to overturn that goal. And that, under the rules, I mean, by definition, right. would make sense, but... I and think we've seen that doesn't always happen. No, it's completely inconsistent. And Barry Trotz made a great point in the post-game press conference. He said, look, if that wasn't a goal, it should have been a penalty. Yeah. Because Ajo had a stick at his waist. Yeah. That's why he tripped up before he even put the puck in the net. So, okay, fine, call the goal off, but then there should have been a penalty on the play. And you'd like to think that the way things transpire after that, maybe the Islanders, well, they keep the lead. Right. They, well, it stays tied at least. Right, they get a power play, and maybe it goes to overtime. They get a chance at a point, maybe two points, but they don't go down a goal a minute later after the goals calls off. Goals called off. Goals are called off. Yeah, right. And and Colorado puts one in, and then they end up having the advantage going for the rest of the game. I mean, look, it doesn't matter. Like losing that game didn't tank the season because it's over already as far as making the playoffs. I'm sorry to be so negative, but I mean, in that in the grand scheme, it doesn't. But look, we're all watching because we still want to see the boys win, right? And they had that was one of their better yeah. games. They, they gave Colorado a great game. It's a game that they could have won, and it's a shame that the officiating played such a big part in it and where it looked like they were going to have a nice little one-goal lead in the latter parts of the third. All of a sudden, they're down a goal a minute later, and they can't come back, so it's a shame. But look... I mean, I guess any loss from here on out, even like that one, if you want to, you know, do the whole silver lining thing, it's another ball in the lottery. <laughs> it's another yeah, lottery which ball. Which is a, so. a, um, yeah. But uh, uh, the one thing I will say that I still don't buy into is this this sort of league conspiracy against the New York Islanders. I mean, the officiating has always been bad in the NHL. One of the big things has always been the lack of accountability by the league, by anyone to hold officials accountable in, in this league. And when you look at some of the other sports that that – are covered by reporters and, and have you know big fan bases and all this and that. The one thing you can say for baseball, for basketball, for, for the NFL, I believe, is that all of their officials are, upon request, made available to a pool reporter mm-hmm. so that if there is something like this that transpires, someone has to answer for that. Yeah. The NHL doesn't really have that policy. I think you can make that request, but the NHL very rarely grants it, and I right. don't really know why that is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the bigger issue here. I don't think there's some sort of league-wide conspiracy against the New York Islanders. No, yeah. no one in the NHL office hates the Islanders. There's no, there's no. <laughs> well, the game wasn't rigged for the Vancouver Canucks to win, as Steve Boyle I think is saying. How many fan bases out there are like, man, the league really takes care of us. <laughs> we get a lot of calls, but everyone says that. But what, what I'm saying is pretty much every fan base probably does think that it's against them. I don't, I'm just saying it's probably safe to say nobody in Calgary is like, man, the league took care of us again. <laughs> we shouldn't have got that goal. Like, whoever thinks that the league is helping them out is I, basically what I'm trying to say. But I, I, I think the uh, – and I think this is a very good example, and I'm not trying to pick on, on Trottier 19, um, but I think this is kind of a really great example of kind of the mentality that people get into, not realizing that – these these people that make these calls and do their job are, are mm-hmm. you know are professionals and there is there is a point where it's not about mm-hmm. you know where they played for when they when they played or this or that or sort of these ex allegiances that I, I yeah. think people may overblow mm-hmm. um, because they have such a strong allegiance right mm-hmm. Islander fans hate Ranger fans Ranger fans hate, hate the Islanders but you know vice versa for the so most the, part yeah so the thought is because Chris King is is an ex Ranger that. He is somehow out to get the Islanders in the in the video war room, mm-hmm. which just I I mean you really have to like you really have to hold a deep deep grudge mm-hmm. to really do that yeah and 
I'd be hard pressed to really think that Chris King particularly cares or has such a hatred for the New York Islanders. I don't think so. And but it's funny, Mel Armenia twenty two says, Oh come on, you know the NHL darlings. And maybe the NHL does have their darlings, but what I'm yeah, saying every is league does. even the fan bases of those teams, they're not they, tell- yeah, they think they get right. screwed too. They it's still like, think they're yeah. getting screwed. They're not like, Yeah, they did it first again. Like, Penguins fans about, are yeah, like Penguins. They gave Crosby a break again. Love it. They're, they're still complaining yeah. about the one they didn't call. Right, right, know. right. <laughs> so I mean that's just how it always goes. But it, it's interesting. It's just it's just a shame how inconsistent it all is. Whether it's penalties, whether it's goal calls, I mean, sometimes it just it just baffles you because it seems like the evidence is is right there, or at least it's clear enough to say there's not enough to overturn this. Right. Why didn't the call on the ice stand? And I think that's what should have happened in the Colorado game. And you look at the interference call in the game against the Blues. Yeah. Kyle Palmieri robbed the two goals, one of them for the interference. They called Kiefer Bellows on interference there. I mean, he barely touched them. And and he was kinda, you know, you know, um, getting getting into it with the defense in there in front of the goalie. So I don't know, but it's a fun discussion, uh, frustrating at times. But um, you know, we we got to pick it up though. So we pre-recorded, we pre-taped our interview with Scott Burnside because he couldn't hop on with us live. So folks, we're gonna play that for you now for all you guys tuned in live. We're gonna take a break as we always do. We'll come back on the other side with the interview, and then once that's done, we'll pick it up live again. So thank you so much for tuning in to Twitch.tv/HockeyNightNY and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. R.J. Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. It is now time for On the Line, brought to you by our friends at Thai Technology. And joining us right now from Daily Faceoff is Scott Burnside. Scott, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you? 
I've got no complaints. Uh, I got a little uh, trade deadline fever. I guess we're rolling in on what two weeks from uh, Monday. I guess we're getting uh, getting closer to uh, you know one of those uh, lines in the sand for uh, for NHL teams and NHL fans, and 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 really it doesn't matter. I don't think whether you're on the well, it's better to be on the buyer side, obviously. But uh, <laughs> right. but I think for uh, I think for all fans, it it really does sort of mark a. Um, a moment uh, in the NHL season and um, and then it really does create I think the you know sort of opens the gates for the the stretch run to the playoffs for the 16 teams that will be in it yeah absolutely it's it's fast approaching and uh, looking forward to getting into that with you but just wanted to start you, you've recently made a move to daily face-off covering the sport that we all love you have a podcast now with Mike McKenna called the suitcase and the scribe so I thought maybe we just start out with that. You can tell us a little bit about it and uh, how all that's going over there. Yeah, well, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's been a pleasure. I've known Frank Cervalli, who runs Daily Faceoff for many years now. He's the current uh, president of the PHWA, a post I held for three years uh, back in my days at uh, um, at ESPN. And um, yeah, it's it's nice. And Mike McKenna, the you know the, the my podcast host, and really, I just ride Mike's coattails every week. He's uh, uh, he. If you don't know Mike, you aren't paying attention. But uh, you know, former um, longtime minor pro and NHL goaltender, and uh, that, it often happens with goalies, right? But so smart and so intuitive about the game. Uh, spent a couple of years after he retired doing analysis for the Golden Knights, and uh, lucky enough to to cross paths with him when I was working with the Dallas Stars for a year near the end of his career, and then to to be able to to hang out and chat hockey with him uh, every week has been a real treat but uh, there aren't many people in the business who, who break down a game or a player or a situation um, in the way that Mike McKenna does he's just it's been fun to work alongside him so I, I would encourage anybody who's not uh, hasn't listened or hasn't followed along Mike's he's multimedia star he does a lot of different stuff uh, <laughs> but thankfully a lot for daily face so it's been a ton of fun. Scott Christian Arnold here first of all really do appreciate you coming on today and uh, I, I feel like you at this point expect a message from me every couple weeks because we've been trying to get you on the show for so long so we really do appreciate it and we're excited to have you on you mentioned the trade deadline you mentioned the excitement and the, and the fever that comes with it's certainly a lot to unpack heading into that deadline this year I want to start with the team that we primarily focus on and that of course is the New York Islanders here certainly a lot of chatter and a lot of speculation about what they're do, going to do because they're in a very gray area and I you know I think from the people that cover the team every day to the to the hardcore fan to the casual observer no one can really say for sure which way Lou Lamorello is going to go as far as um, some of the moves that are that are pending maybe it, it, you could give us some insight on what you think Lou does here and, and who are the players that are potentially on the block at the moment <laughs> well, you certainly won't get me um, predicting uh, anything that Lou will do. That's uh, I've, I've learned that long ago in, in my career that never to try and uh, pretend you know what Lou is going to do. But I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that um, the Islanders are not going to be a playoff team. That's just it's simply not going to happen. I know the math suggests, so, you know, if everything broke the right way, you know, that you can 
You can imagine it however you like, but the Islanders are not going to be making the playoffs. And so then it is a question of, you know, what does the team do to try and, um, you know, salvage, you know, what has been a really disappointing year. And, and, and frankly, I think, you know, there's, there's some limitations to it. I, I know a lot of people have talked a little bit about uh, Cal Clutterbuck and, uh, you know, as a pending um, UFA, uh, is he the kind of player that fits, you know, sort of a Barkley Goodrow type role, you know, maybe um, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair, right? Somebody who can sure. come in, uh, play in your, in your bottom um, six and kill penalties and create some grit. And, and listen, for there are a number of teams out there that I think um, Cal Clutterbuck, you know, would be a welcome addition because I, I think when you look at what Tampa did the last two years, really identifying specific needs in their lineup and then going out and filling them. You know, Blake Coleman, uh, Barkley Goudreau, I think of the, the back end and, and some of the changes that the Lightning made um, leading up to both their cup runs and guys like Zach Bogosian, Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, even Luke Shen, who was down in the minors and came, you know, played up and down a little bit during the, the playoff runs. Um, they aren't necessarily your high profile, your big ticket trade deadline items that we in the media like to spend a lot of time talking about, but they were critically important. And so I think Cal Clutterbuck has, you know, has the potential to be that kind of person. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, is I'm not sure, you know, what, what happens with Zach Parisi, who's also on an expiring contract. Um, same kind of thing, right? Character guy. Um, yeah. I'm just not sure if he sort of fits that kind of mold. Um, and then, you know, it's a question, are, you know, are you looking at trying to move, you know, changing things up by maybe moving some players with term. And I think that becomes, you know, that's, you know, that's a whole other issue when you've got some players uh, who control their fate, or at least, um, you know, control their fate in a limited way through limited, no trade move, you know, clauses, whether it's a guy like Brock Nelson or, um, Kyle Palmieri and uh, you know it, so I, I think those are the things that Lou Lamorello will have to do I, I'm not sure honestly there's a huge market for a lot of what Lou has though right now and so I think that would be the thing to me if the Islanders are making moves they would be more complimentary players going out and then that means that you have to you know sort of adjust your expectations on returns um, even to, to the more modest level I think I just think that's the reality of, of the way that roster is built right now I am curious, since you brought it up, we always have this discussion, Sean and I, and, and some of our, our listeners and viewers, and that is the the um, what the Islanders potentially could get in a, in a trade with for Semyon Varlamov. And a lot of people view him very highly around here because he's obviously done so much with the Islanders and he's had such success in the last couple of years. And um, even this year, you've seen flashes of the, that brilliance that he's had despite some of the, the setbacks this year. But for me, I've always been hesitant to say that the return that they're going to get is going to be this grandiose package that I think people kind of tend to think uh, that the Islanders could get when it comes to Semyon Verlamov. I am curious what you'd imagine a package like that would would get the Islanders uh, if they move someone like Varlamov. Yeah, you know what? I, I think he's a really interesting figure. And again, another one of the, the players on the Islanders roster who has I'm looking at my cap friendly, so I can t- tell you what they say. Uh, 16 team, no trade list. So, you know, controls his own fate on on some level. Um, another year left at $5 million, which is, you know, not a huge cap hit. Um, but all those things are relative in a flat cap era. And it, I think this season is really interesting, though, because there are three or four teams 
and it seems to change on a nightly basis. I see people on social media as we are talking here now speculating, do the Minnesota Wild need to make a goaltending move? Uh, because they've certainly hit the skids and um, their goaltending has, has gone a bit sideways. I don't, I don't see that as a real um, option. But you know what? The Washington Capitals are a fascinating situation. Their goaltending, like their whole team, has been up and down through sort of the um, this last third and maybe a bit of more than the third of the season after such a great start. Uh, although uh, Danicek is, is back into a little bit of a groove, but, you know, Semyon Varlamov, something that, you know, there's a known quantity there. Um, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, again, coming off a, another disappointing loss against uh, Vancouver on Saturday night. Uh, their goaltending has gone completely sideways. And uh, Jack Campbell is, it was a great story and all-star and full value for it. But he's he is not he's not playing at an elite level and certainly not playing at a level that would allow the Leafs um, to have much of a chance against either Tampa or Florida in the first round, which looks to be what their matchup would be. So, you know, what does Kyle Dubas do there? And is Simeon Varlamov, is that an option there? Edmonton, you know, every night it, the narrative changes in Edmonton. <laughs> Some nights are okay. And then, you know, again, they, they're they coming off a disappointing loss. Um, you know, Mike Smith just not not good enough, frankly, in, in goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so the Oilers are another team that look to be in, in the mix. And there just aren't that many goalies um, that you can really identify that that could come in and, and qualify as uh, as an NHL starter, could take on that role. And Marc-Andre Fleury in Chicago is one, and you get a lot of mixed signals um, as he plays out the final year of his current contract also has some trade protection as well. Um, Does he want to go on from Chicago? I think the Blackhawks are going to be very mindful of what Marc-Andre Fleury might want to do and, you know, what, what it, his career looks like moving forward, you know, up to the 21st of March trade deadline and then, and then beyond that. So um, I think Varlamov fits into that picture very nicely. My issue is it's so hard to integrate a goaltender into your system um, at any time, let alone with less than two months left in the regular season. So we're talking, well, it's really, you know, sort of six weeks or so until the end of the regular season, uh, if you go right up to the March 21st deadline. So it's it's hard. And history tells you that's why there aren't a ton of starting goalies who go at the trade deadline. And I go back, I'm so old, I can remember vividly (laughs) when Ryan Miller went from Buffalo to St. Louis. And I remember thinking that the St. Louis Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup. They They were a very, very good team. And they were one and done, lost against Chicago. And Ryan Miller did not fit. It wasn't a great fit for him. And and that was that. And I, I think there's some questions you have to ask about Varlamov in terms of durability. How does he fit? You know, the $5 million, can you fit it into your system? Or is there a retention? And then what goes back for it? Um, I just think if you're an acquiring team, it, it's, it's a crapshoot. To, to try and bring, bring in a goaltender that you are either going to rely on as a starter down the stretch and into the playoffs or may have to rely on as a starter. Uh, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a, um, you know, it's a risky proposition. And if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'd rather invest on some blue line help and, and, and just roll the dice. But it, it is going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with Varlamov because he's one of those guys that, that could fit in and who knows, maybe could, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and away you go. Yeah, for sure, Scott. It's always interesting to see how these deadline acquisitions pan out. Uh, Sometimes, like you said, you think it's going to be a surefire winner, and then all of a sudden it's a dud. It's funny how it all works. But to to keep a key on the aisles here with the deadline, 
obviously they fell short of some very high expectations this season. And and even though that's the case, I think there's still a lot of people around Islander country that that still believe that this team, you know, has a window here. It's obviously not this year, but going forward. So when you when you kind of look at that and and you know put it towards the deadline. You know, does Lou Lamarillo kind of walk a fine line here if he shares that same belief where he has some guys he might be able to get some assets for, but if he's thinking about next year, does he kind of, I don't know, get gun-shy because he wants to hang on to some of these guys? I mean, obviously, it's different with Kyle Clutterbuck. He's a pending UFA. You know, he's a guy he might be a little more willing to let go, but do you think he holds some of these guys a little closer to the vest, I suppose, if he's looking towards next year to keep a a core that he he probably thought was going to be a Stanley Cup contender this year? Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent, uh, an excellent point. And, you know, the one thing about, uh, you know, somebody like Lou Lamorello is that <clears throat> when you've seen it all, and he has certainly seen it all, you, I think you learn not to make those knee-jerk reactions. And, and there's no question, right? I mean, it's been, it's been a, a miserable year. And, <laughs> but you've moved into a new building. And so next year, you know, I think there's a natural reset um, in this coming off season, um, you know, I, I think the goaltending is, is solid moving forward. I think there's lots to like about the blue line. And I, I do think there, you know, I think there is a, I, I think there is a course of action that allows Lou Lamorello just to sort of tinker at the, at the deadline. And then, you know, sort of refocus come draft time. If you are going to make a bigger move, I, I, I don't know that there's, again, I, I think you, you would have to be, you would want to be very cautious about overreacting to a disappointing season after two straight um, trips to the final four and yeah. where you lose back to back in competitive series against the eventual Stanley cup champions. So I think that's the key there. And, you know, we've seen it, uh, you know, I think about Tampa, you know, 62 wins um, get swept in the first round by Columbus and there's a lot of discussion. What, what should you do? And you know, the whole social media blow it up, you know, but even, even internally, I think there was some serious consideration. What are we okay? Like, do we need to address our core? Do we need to change fundamentally what kind of team this is? Well, of course they didn't need to. And, and um, you know, and the proof is, is in back-to-back cups. And I, I don't think the Islanders are necessarily at that level, but I also think it's, it's worthwhile to ask yourself the question, you know, does this season mark a start of a decline? And if that's the case, then you, you have to ask yourself that, but if you don't believe that, then you're right. Don't like, you know, don't, don't overreact and don't do things that you will you will regret for three or four or five years down the road. For sure. And and looking again a little bit towards the Islanders' future here, you have Barry Trotz who's going to be entering his, the final year of his contract next year. And I suppose my question is when when do Islander fans start getting a little nervous heading into this to a potential lame duck year? If, if he's not signed, is there maybe like a, a cutoff time where Islander fans should be looking for for Luda putting pen to paper for, for Barry Trotz on an extension, assuming they want to keep him around? <laughs> well, I would, if I'm Barry Trotz and if I'm Lou, I don't, I think you want the lame duck, right? I mean, that was the whole Washington thing, right? The dynamic in uh, 2018 and, mm. you know, he, he didn't have a contract and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half joking, um, <laughs> but um 
I, I, and I, I have subs- uh, subscribed to this, having covered that playoff run and having spent a lot of time around Barry Trotz uh, and the Washington Capitals over the years in, in, in dating back to Barry's time in Nashville, of course. But um, I really do believe that he coached in a different way during that um during that second half of the 2017-18 season, certainly into the playoffs, I really do think he coached in a different manner because I think he knew in his heart of hearts that he was going to move on, didn't matter what had happened there, because what had happened within the organization, he felt he needed to move on and, and, and felt that, you know, without a contract extension, that was that was an important thing to him and, and it didn't happen. So he was ready to move on. I'm not suggesting the same thing will happen with the Islanders. My guess is that Barry and Lou have had discussions about this. I mean, there are some coaches uh, and maybe Dave Tippett's not a great example since he just got fired. Um, <laughs> but there are some coaches who get to a point in their careers where it, you know, the security becomes less important because you know, perhaps you're financially, you know, in a different place and maybe your family's in a different place or you've had, you know, in, in Barry's, um, you know, in, in Barry's case, not only have you won a cup, but you've had the success that you had instantly with the Islanders. And he, he's one of the best coaches of his generation. I, I think I feel comfortable saying that. So maybe it's not as important to have something done by the draft or by training camp or whenever, you know, whatever line in the sand you want to use. Now, maybe it's really important to Barry. So I, I don't know that, but I don't think it's the kind of thing you can get too, too worried about. Um, I guess the thing that I would say is if you, if, if there was suddenly a lack of belief that Barry could do the job with this group, if somehow there was, there were red flags and the feeling was, well, you know, you know, is there a is there a staleness already to this or whatever it is? Um, then you have to be honest about that, and you have to have that honest conversation with Barry Trotz um, before the start of the season, and and make your decision moving forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is an extension announced anytime. Um, but I also don't think it would be something that people should overly fret about given the state of this team and given the accomplishments of Barry Trotz um, to me, it's a different than if you're at a, a dealing with a coach with, um, you know, a, a less padded resume and at a different stage of his career. Talking with Scott Burnside from dailyfaceoff.com. And Scott, again, obviously the trade deadline looming pretty large as, as we get closer and closer to it. Claude Giroux, I think, would say is the one that right now everyone is trying to figure out what's going to happen there with Philadelphia. I know, Mar- uh, you know, Giordano and, and Seattle. There's a lot of focus on, you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury. What's sort of the latest scuttlebutt now across the league with some of these other big name players that could be on the move? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, it's interesting because, you know, we saw Tyler Toffoli go early to Calgary. And I, I think and I talked to a couple of executives who wondered, you know, does that start the you know the 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 domino effect with GMs trying to get things done, and I know if you talk to um, thirty two NHL GMs, they would all tell you they would love to do their trade deadline shopping if they are a buyer uh, sooner than later. But the reality of the situation is that with the flat cap um, and so many teams with uh, players on LTIR um, up against the cap. It, it makes it hard to do, right? I mean, the and 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 there are there's a certain fluidity to it, um, especially in the Western Conference, where the playoff picture continues to change 
every day. And, you know, I, you know, a month ago I looked at Dallas stars and I, and I thought this might be a critical trade deadline for Jim Neal. He's got Joe Pavelski on an expiring deal. He's got John Klingberg and lots has been made of John's coming to the end of his contract, but also feeling a bit disrespected by the stars. And frankly, I don't know how they fit him at his price point. Um, given their salary structure and, and how overloaded they are with the uh, existing contracts on the back end. Um, you've got Alexander Radulov there. Um, but all of a sudden, the team's on fire. And as we're chatting here, they're you know slapping the Minnesota Wild around. Um, I think they're a playoff team. And I think they're a team, frankly, that could give a team like Colorado all they could handle. So, um, you know, that changes the whole dynamic of, of you know, what does that team do? Um, Anaheim's a team that has fallen out of the playoff mix. And, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know if they can get back in it. And the uh, new GM Pat Verbeek, he's got to deal with a couple of, um, you know, high end uh, free agents or potential, potential free agents on the back end in Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Um, he's also got uh, Ricardo Raquel up front. Who's on an expiring deal. Those are players, especially Ricardo Raquel. Um, those that's a player I think is going to be an important piece. You're right. Claude Giroux is the, the, you know, the high profile guy and, and, and really at the top of the list as he should be. But Ricardo Raquel is interesting to me because um, a, he doesn't cost much. His current cap, it's like 3.8 million. So, you know, it's just a little, he's a little bit under the radar, but he's still going to command um, a good return for the ducks. It looks like they'd like to sign both those guys on the back end, Manson and, and Ham Slintone. But if he, if Afrobeat can't, then he's going to move them. And that's another thing that may, we may not know that until the 19th or 20th or the morning of the 21st. So uh, a really sort of fluid situation makes it dramatic, I think, um, you know, when you're trying to handicap who's going where, what happens. But I think there are a lot of moving pieces um, and we may not, you know, sort of the, the, the tumblers may not stop rotating until literally trade deadline day. Always, always interesting stuff when it comes to the trade deadline. Scott, while we had you, I did want to ask you, obviously, it's, what, what, when it seems like with the rest of the sports world, anything that happens in the real world does tend to have a trickle over of impact on the games and, and the enjoyments that we, that we love and we have. And that has been no different with the NHL and, and the hockey community with what's been going on in Ukraine and, and everything there. You've seen a lot of the last, I want to say the last week or so, you know, agents and players of Russian descent saying they've they've been seeing increased threats uh, on social media and, and, and other aspects. Um, leagues across the across Canada and the U.S. seem to be kind of bolstering down and, and taking a stand against in Russian players or a Russian interest within their league. What? Have you seen as far as maybe some of your conversations with executives across the hockey spectrum as far as the response to what's been going on in the Ukraine with with the war between Russia and Ukraine and sort of the fallout that's happened here over the last week or so with the response from the IIHF, from from junior hockey leagues and, and the NHL and everything that's been going on here? Yeah, no, it's a, that's a, it's, it's a mouthful, obviously. <laughs> and, and, and what is, and, and, and I think it's, you know, this is a this is it's sort of a new frontier, I think, for 
you know, for all of us. And I, you know, I certainly, you know, we have a narrow view when we think about the hockey world. And, and I was really pleased to see the double IHF, um, you know, come out and not just condemn um, the invasion of the Ukraine, which is, you know, to me is a no brainer. It, it just still boggles the mind what is happening there and yeah. what, um, you know, what, what Putin has, you know, what he's doing. It just, it, it does boggle the mind. And, and I think it is, it's important to be, um, you know, to show support. And I think it's important to do, to do as much as possible to support Ukraine. And I thought double IHF did a nice job early. I was a bit surprised they didn't immediately um, strip the 2023 20, world championships from Russia, but it, 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 that seems inevitable to me. And, you know, the NHL uh, following right on the heels and um, talking about their business interests in Russia and how they were being seized. And um, again, it's hard Hard to imagine um, as the NHL and the NHLPA work towards having a World Cup of Hockey um, sometime in early 2024, so in two years from you know right now, give or take, um, that that Russia could take part in that. I I, I, I can't see how it could happen. Um, but but there is there were there are some blurred lines on well, what do we you know how should we be treating and what should we expect from Russian players in North America and I know there's a lot made of Alex Ovechkin his um, very public relationship with uh, Vladimir Putin and I think it's absolutely fair to ask questions about Ovechkin and how he feels um, but. I think it's also critically important to understand um, for so many of those players, I, I think of Artemi Panarin and we already know, you know, how outspoken he has been over the months yeah. uh, against Vladimir Putin. But we also know the reaction, what happened when he spoke out. And that was months before this uh, unlawful invasion of another country. And so I think it's, I think you have to be careful when, before we start condemning players or, you know, you know, suggesting that your contract should be, you know, negated or whatever. Like, you have to be very careful about what is realistic to expect from these players who've made their lives, or at least part of their lives, in North America, but who also have strong ties to Russia, and that may mean family is there. That means they may have investments. All those kinds of things, and I don't. I certainly don't profess to know what it might mean if. All of a sudden, Alex Ovechkin took down all his pictures. Um, he called it a war. There, you can't even say that in Russia now. You can't even call it a war. You risk 15 years imprisonment. Right. So um, I think you have to be very careful about criticizing players for not speaking out or not saying the kinds of things that we might say ourselves or we would like to hear them say because right. we don't know what the ramifications are. And I, and I don't think it's, I, I think the ramifications could be very serious and I think they can't be taken lightly. Uh, and that makes it, uh, that makes it a, a very, a tragic, difficult situation, even a little bit harder to parse through when we're just focusing on players, NHL players from Russia who are here in North America and being asked their opinions about it. Scott Burnside here with us on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And, Scott, I want to end it on a little bit more of an upbeat note. What we usually try to do with our guests, and if you will indulge us, I know you've given us so much of your time already, so if you'll just indulge us for a couple more minutes here. We love to usually ask our guests a random question, and uh, just to kind of explain what that what that means, we kind of ask them something that's a little off the beaten path or a little related to what they do. For instance, we've, we've had uh, Molly Walker on from the New York Post. We asked her about her 
favorite press box meal. Uh, Andrew Gross is from Newsday is a huge, uh, huge music person. We asked him uh, a couple times about some different music topics. Um, but Scott, you've obviously had such an illustrious career when it's come to your uh, covering of this sport, and you've seen just about everything anyone could ever want to imagine to see in the sport. Um, and you've seen so many different amazing events at, and different, you know, exciting buildings. And I, I was curious, someone who's kind of been around the block a couple of times and, and seen so much, when you look back at, you know, the games that you covered or the, the events that you've been to, is there one that kind of sticks out? Um, you know, one that you were there, maybe not necessarily a major event that, you know, everyone would kind of point to a Stanley Cup final or this or that. But maybe you know a little moment in, in the course of your career when you were you, when you were at a game or at a, a hockey related event that kind of always stuck with you, and uh, and you kind of link back and you go, wow, I, I, that's that's one of my favorite moments. Yeah, well, and I, I, I assume you're alluding to the fact that I'm old, which is okay. <laughs> I, I accept nice. that. No, I'm, it's totally it's totally true. Actually, I am, and uh, and it's true. You know, I I feel, and I I've been lucky, and and um, you know, I've lots of, I've done lots of different things, and had the opportunity to cover three Olympics and a couple World Cup of hockey's and those kinds of things. One of the, my favorite things to do, I haven't done it in a number of years, but <clears throat> I did for seven or eight years in a row. I I did days with the cup. So, um, I started uh, the first time I did it, I was with a very young Eric Stahl after the Canes win in 06. And also spent the day with Brett Hedekin, um, which was, it was just, you know, it was, I'd never done it. And so I still remember it vividly. And when I run into Brett, we always talk about it. It's so funny because mm-hmm. the cup showed up at his door, uh, or his parents' door, I guess, in St. Paul, uh, strapped, into the front seat. The, the box wouldn't fit in the back and basically was strapped into the front seat of the car and the kids uh, ate cereal out of it. And that was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, one of, I, it's, since you were asking the question, I was thinking in my own mind, that's one of the, you know, one of my favorite um, story that sticks with me, I suppose, as when Dave Strader came back um, after being diagnosed with cancer and he did some playoff games um, in the, uh, in the spring I won't have the, but I, I, and I don't know the exact year, but I remember sitting with him in the um, broadcast booth in Washington before a playoff game and uh, just talking about his experiences and, you know, his battle with cancer. And I just, that was, that was a pretty meaningful moment uh, just to hear him talk about how much he loved to be in the building and this, how much, you know, it was such a, a huge part of his life and the life of his family. And so um, I, I think about those kinds of moments because those are, you know, they stay with you and, and there's the game is filled with good, kind, generous people. Um, and of course we lose too many of them too soon, but uh, I, I'm, I'm always struck by the kindness of the people in the game. It, it, it's just, it, it's what, it's what makes it such a joy to come and watch games and write stories and, and talk you know, with people like you about the game. So um, that I was just thinking about that evening with Dave Schrader. So uh, that, thank you for reminding me of something that was exceptionally pleasant. Absolutely, Scott. Uh, outstanding stuff. We really appreciate all your time tonight. It's been, uh, been fantastic. And uh, before we let you go, maybe you can just let everybody know where they can follow you on social media. Uh, yes, I'm on uh, uh, Twitter at 
over time, you know what I have? To, I'm just looking at it here because I have to figure it out, right? Like, uh, who? It's like your own phone number. That's what, right. Uh, you never remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Over time, Scott B. I think that's where it is. But you can also, you can always. It's easy to find. Uh, Daily face off, uh, right there uh, every week, and as you mentioned, the suitcase and the scribe. Uh, podcast with uh, my good friend Mike McKenna that we put that out every week and uh, periodically I make my way to Raleigh and I do some stuff for the Carolina Hurricanes uh, do some writing some television and podcasting uh, in Raleigh as well so yeah just uh, trying to try and keep my my uh, my hand uh, in the game at, at some level love it awesome Scott well once again thank you so much really appreciate it and uh, hope to talk to you again down the road anytime all right, folks, that was Scott Burnside of Daily Faceoff. Fantastic stuff yeah. from him. Good stories, good responses, a lot of hockey. Glad we could finally get him on. Yes, yes. We've was... been trying for, for and, 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 you know, we've been, we've been reaching out and trying and, and scheduling something. It's always kind of been um, someone's schedule doesn't line up, and it's always kind of been the, the back and forth of trying. So we're happy we get Scott on and. Uh, he does really tremendous work over at uh, Daily Face Off. Podcast yes. is great that he does. Uh, you know, fantastic job there. And I actually forgot he did do some stuff for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. Um, so that's really cool, too. So we're really excited to get him on. And uh, a lot of great stuff. Talked a lot about the trade deadline. Talked a lot about the Islanders. Yeah. And a really fantastic story about about being able to sit down and, and talk with Dave Strader for a little bit uh during a very you know very tough time in his life, so all all great stuff. So we really thank Scott Scott Burnside for coming on and uh, giving him giving us so much of his time. Yes, no doubt about it. And the train rolls on here at Hockey Night New York. And to swing it back to the island, there's some huge news for Hockey Night New York. Yeah, Austin Danger Zarnick reclaimed on waivers, coming back. Danger is my middle name. Danger is his middle name. He doesn't know it, <laughs> but it is here. I wonder if someone would ever say that to him. Austin, Austin have you ever listened listen to this this Islanders podcast? <laughs> well, they... <laughs> That's I mean, when we. That's when we would know we made it. When when Austin Zarnick knows that that somebody is, calls him podcast yeah. fear is calling him <laughs> Austin Danger. It was it was just funny how that all transpired. And obviously, if anyone didn't know the reason why I'd stepped away for a couple weeks, um, you know, obviously we we were very very much like every hockey team in, in the rest of the league. You know, very vague with why I was gone. Upper body injury, lower body injury, that right, kind of thing. Personal right. reasons. Yeah, really. Uh, I can, we can talk about it now. Okay. Lou right. had heard the podcast. Mm-hmm. He sensed the affinity that Islander fans have had for Austin Zarnick, and he sent myself. Danger's my middle name. Mm-hmm. On an, an unofficial excursion to Seattle. Oh. To work on behind-the-scenes negotiations to get this done. To get really? them to put him back on waivers so the Islanders can get him back. For future considerations, like under the table? No, no, no. I, I can't say much, but he, uh, you know, we had some conversations, uh, wow. some backdoor dealings. Really? And uh, obviously the Islanders weren't involved, of course. So um, so there you have it, folks. Breaking yeah. news. Christian Arnold working behind the scenes, taking his time <laughs> away from covering the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> to go over to Seattle and... Get Austin Dangerous Arnick back in the fold for the Islanders. That's impressive. I was asked. Well, thank you. Here. I was asked to stop by Colorado on the way back. That did not go as successful, obviously. For Devontae's? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you could try to make that happen? I can try again. Yeah, because they're going to be playing them tomorrow. Maybe you could. No? 
Maybe talk to Joe Sackick. You have an name with Joe Sackick? <laughs> yeah. Could you wave Devon for yeah. us, please? <laughs> so, yeah, Zonic's back in the fold. And for you Islander fans out there that actually were upset about it, he's back. So there's your, your center depth if they need it. Borzell yeah. obviously has been out of the lineup. I don't know if that means Zonic's going to get in there. They've been okay without Barzell, And that's that actually segues kind of right into what I want to talk about next is, you know, this last little stretch here. And I, and I sp- spoke of it before saying they've been playing better. I mean, you know, the level of which you can make an argument for, but it just so happens that over the course of that time that Matt Barzell and Zidane Ochara have been out of the lineup. What do you say about that? It, it, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because those are two guys that have obviously been talked a lot about over the last, uh, you know, for the better part of the last couple months about guys being potentially moved and, you know, what their value would be and, and what their impact on this team has been and, and could be and this and that. And mm-hmm. it, it is interesting, the timing that... Uh, right. Listen, I think we all know the the issues with Sedano Char, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's it's no secret. He's slow. He's older. Yeah, he has a, a big reach. He's still somewhat physical. Um, you know, there are benefits to still having Sedano Char mm-hmm. on, on an NHL roster. Yeah. The problem is... It was, never, NHL ice? it was never. It was never. It was never this particular specific NHL roster. Zdeno Chara doesn't fit with the Islanders NHL roster, and that's kind of been well, everyone's known he, that he definitely doesn't replace what they lost. That's the issue, and that's that's the problem. Like maybe he does fit if Letty was still here or somebody comparable that could move the puck that yeah. still has foot speed that can put points up. Right, that can help you successfully exit the zone and break out. Maybe he does fit. Maybe he can be a bottom pairing lefty, and and then you, <laughs> I get it. But maybe he, him and Green are the guys that kind of go back and forth in that bottom pairing. Again, it it doesn't matter. It's a right. But but yes, do I think well, to answer your question right? It's mm-hmm. do I think there's a direct correlation to the Islanders' somewhat success over the last couple games and the. Sudden, sudden disappearance of of uh, Zdeno Chara and Josh Bailey, almost mafia esque at the timing. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think there's an. I don't. I don't think that the. I don't necessarily know if there's a direct correlation between between the two coming out of the lineup at the same time and Look, then the turnaround is success. I will say, it of course, has nothing to do with Barzell coming out. They're only going to be better with him in the lineup, even during their struggles. Matt Barzell makes the New York Islanders better. Yeah, end of, end of discussion. Right, but. There's plenty of teams out there, good teams, that can win despite their stars being out. And yeah. I guess you can look at that as a positive sign, right? They were able to find a way to win a couple of games with Barzell out. Zidane Char, on the other hand, I think it's worth discussing that maybe they're better off with him up in the press box a little more than they are with him on the ice. And Ajo's been able to get a chance, like I said before. he's I think he's playing better than he did prior. I think he's calmed down a little bit. We talked about earlier in the season rookie mistakes, Maybe playing a little too with uh, maybe a little lack of confidence. Maybe trying to do too much out right. there. I think he's he's performed better in this this uh, most recent go around to getting onto the ice. So I think there you could make an argument. I would listen to somebody trying to tell me that. You know. <laughs> um, so, but does that mean that that Chara is going to be out now for an extended time because of it? No, I think once he gets healthy, he'll probably get back in. We don't know when that's going to be because, as we've learned, day to day on the Islanders doesn't necessarily mean day to day. Right. You look at Pollock's injury; he was supposed to be four to six weeks. It ended up being what ten to twelve or whatever something it was, something like that. And there's yeah. setbacks every now and then. Well, also, I think he got he got COVID at one point, so I think that delayed. That right? was that was within the time he was still expected. But to But I be think out. that like people back. were happy. People were like, "Oh, well, at least he 
got it now because he wasn't coming back anyway. But I think it pushed back his his kind of work on the ice, right? Because once you once you have COVID, you can't you can't be out on the ice. You can't use the team facility. You're quarantined, whatever. So I think that also added to the fact that you're taking away five or whatever. I forget was had they shortened the the quarantine period at that point. I forget. Right. Um. But you know, you lose a certain amount of time. So if it was still fourteen days, ten days, whatever it was. You know, that's two extra weeks, which would kind of line up with how how it ended up anyway. Yeah. And then you add on, all right, he still has to, re, you know, kind of rehab. He still has mm-hmm. to ra- ramp mm-hmm. up, Jesus. He has to <laughs> – that's the basketball coming out and talking, you know. But um, but he still has to get back into that shape where he's ready to go. And and, and, uh, and uh, so, so definitely none of that helps. None of that helps. And, uh, and as we know, the NHL is very, very transparent with anything related to injury. Right, and I guess at the end of it, and, and I see some good questions coming in about this topic, which we'll hit right now, but but uh, at the end of the day, big congrats to Chara for breaking the record. Yeah. 1,000, what, 652? Most games ever played as a defenseman. He passes Chris Chelios. They had a nice little ceremony for him before which the game. Which was nice, yeah. Yesterday, they presented him with some gifts. He had and the family And it was cool that he there. could do that with the Islanders, the team that drafted him. And yeah, so that was, sure. it was a nice little little touch. Yeah, absolutely. So big congrats to him, regardless of what you might think about him now, the way he's playing for the Islanders. What an amazing career he's had. Stanley Cup champion. And big congrats, man. That is no no small feat whatsoever. But to see these questions coming in during this discussion, I like it. Uh, Robin Salo was quoted saying that he's essentially not too happy about being in Bridgeport, which makes sense to me. Good for him. Now, now, and I, and I'm, you know, what? it's it's cool that it, he felt comfortable enough to say it. Because did, I'm sorry, I, I missed this. Where did he say this? He was. I don't want to misspeak here. I don't remember if he was interviewed by like a Swedish or or right, that would make sense paper because I feel like that might have been the case. And that's usually where especially you get like the a more like candid that. answers. Yeah. Yeah. Now again, I, I don't have it in front of me. It may have been elsewhere, but I think it was maybe a Swedish. Maybe someone in the chat knows, but that, I mean that right. lines up. I just I was just curious more or less because so that... he was essentially asked, you know, about being back in Bridgeport after spending all that time with the Islanders, and you know, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically like, "It sucks." You know, he would rather be up with the Islanders, and and of course, that's the obvious answer. Who wouldn't? Right. But you know, he felt comfortable enough to say it, and he wasn't um, complaining. He wasn't trashing the organization or saying I should be there or they made a big mistake or anything like that. He yeah. was just being blunt about the fact that he'd rather be on the island. And, again, why wouldn't he? So, good for him. I mean, if and, and I think he said something along the lines of it's just I'm just motivated finish to do what I have to. Sorry, finish. Yeah, there yeah. you go. No, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just, yeah. Um, Thank you. He basically said, you know, I'm motivated to get back there yeah. because he prefers it to, to Bridgeport. So, good for him. And, and he's a guy who I think has a future with this team. And maybe it's not right now because of the logjam they have up there. And, you know, now he's going to get heavy minutes in Bridgeport, which is a good thing. He should be playing. That's always the mantra, right? These guys should be playing. These guys should be playing. And and maybe now it becomes a little more of a showcase for the rest of the season for Ajo because he can play in games that really don't mean as much. It's interesting, too, because I, I'm, and I'm not saying this is the case because it, I guess from from what everyone, what, from, at least from what you're saying, Sean, it, it wasn't necessarily an interview or, or a comment that was said in 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 um in a, in a tone that I guess would come off as as aggressive or trashing the organization or you know whatever the case may be, however you want to characterize it. But you have to remember too. Now you look at the situation with, with Salo. You have to think back to the Russian player who was here at the beginning of the season. His name escapes me, of course, right now. Um, they, he had come in for a, a couple months, 
he the Islanders is, the Islanders didn't play him. I'm gonna I gotta look it up. I gotta you gotta vamp for like two seconds. Give me a, give me a second to think of this this player's name. Okay, fair enough. Can you keep talking. I will. I will, I, I will keep talking. So yes, it was a Finnish interview. Not a Swedish interview, and the problem is, you know, you just I just mixed mixed up the the, the Scandinavian nation. Yeah, that's insulting. <laughs> that, that he was he was from. That's that's my mistake. But I'm seeing some interesting back and forth about this whole solo thing now. Trottier nineteen actually just threatened me physically. He said nice. he will put me through the glass like Trotz did to the Vancouver guy for the third cup. I'm listen, Trottier. I'll I'll hold him down. I'll hold, <laughs> I got your back. You know, I got you. We'll we'll make this happen. Anatoly Goloshev is who I was thinking of. There you go. Um, Anatoly Goloshev. Remember he after he well, left, he was a lot more outspoken, and he had some. I mean, look, if the things that he said were true, but but but, my, but to my point, it it sets it sets an interesting scenario here where. Obviously, Salo didn't say it like that. I guess so. It's, no. it's a little. It's hard to kind of you know. It's, we're kind of comparing two different things here, but we still, it, it's an interesting pattern you're almost noticing, right? Where, um, again, I I don't think it was it was it, it's really not the same because I think Salo was more just asked about comparing the two. You know, how do you feel about being sent down? So to, whereas whereas according to Galashev, he was he was put through the ringer as, as in, yeah, I'm in, I'm out, I'm going to stay, right. I'm going to be a part but of I this think, team, I'm not. I think Salo understands where he's at. I think he, he he's just unhappy he's not still there, but he's not complaining about it. He's not giving the Islanders organization a hard time about it or saying, you know, trade me or anything like right. that. It's just, it's just it sucks that I'm here. That's all. I want to be back. He, he liked his taste of the island, and he wants to get back, back there full time. Well, I mean, the, but I, I guess more or less, I'm reacting to the way it was phrased in, in the chat because mm-hmm. a lot of it, a lot of the way you saw it um, asked about it is, you know, Trotty and 18 thoughts about Sol- Salo whining and, about and Jeremy 13 cleared up a little bit too. He said Long Island is a nicer place to live. Bridgeport not really nice to play to live in terms of city That's of city. Fair, which is fair. I, yes, Bridgeport, Connecticut is, that, is not is that known something for their that, pristine beaches. And now, is that something uh, that uh, hockey players are traditionally groomed to kind of leave out of the discussion? Yes, you know, I mean, he essentially kind of trashed on Bridgeport, right, by saying it's not as nice a place to live. I mean, maybe that's something your PR department wants you to keep to yourself. But at the end of the day. I mean, he didn't really say anything overly terrible yeah. here where he's going to be reprimanded. He might, they might just say, hey, listen, you know, keep that part to yourself next time. But I don't think he's going to be in the bad graces of the organization now because he was blunt about how he feels about Long Island compared to Bridgeport. But I guess, I guess where I was going, and I, I kind of got sidetracked too, where I was going with the Goloshev and, and sort of the Salo comment and, and the similarity is that I think you're going to see more and more players, especially now in kind of this changing era start to be more outspoken about where they feel their development is and where they feel they should be um publicly speaking anyway mm-hmm. um where they feel they should be in terms of nhl ahl level and i think you're seeing that shift with a lot of players and a lot of different aspects of the of the um of this sport i think you're seeing that shift more towards players being comfortable and confident enough to say listen i I should be at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you yeah. know, that's a whole other discussion. But right now, I, I think it's interesting to see the way people kind of frame even just that comment, right? The, mm-hmm. Calling it whining. Calling, mm-hmm. He was obviously asked about it, and right. he answered honestly. Yep. And I think that's kind of the always the always the issue I have when people criticize mm-hmm. athletes for saying for making comments and being honest, because right. the biggest knock on 
athletes or, or hockey players especially is mm-hmm. the lack of personality and you know mm-hmm. the lack of depth in their answer because I think a lot of those guys understand or watch what happens when they are honest and someone doesn't like what you say not it's not worth the time or the effort trying to you know defend yourself whatever mm-hmm. the case may be so but I, I do think I think where I was going and I think I misspoke a lot uh, is that kind of growing that the shift in player mentality of of you know kind of just you know that old mentality of being like just shut up and go play, right? You know they're going to answer right. honestly when they're asked ask questions, and I think that's a good thing. I, look, th- there should be a good balance between it all. I mean, this is a discussion. I also like that. Into, I but... like that Salo's confident enough to say, I, yes. you know, I want, I want to be, I want to be act there. I want to. You know, I think I should be there. Exactly. That that should more than anything. As as an Islander fan, as a hockey fan, you should be excited about that because the that player, Salo in this case, has that swagger. I mean, Barry Trotz <laughs> loves to use that term all the time. Sure, um, Jack Jack Capuano loved to use that that term all the time. You know, he has that swagger that he's confident confident enough in himself. He's not a passenger. He's not a passenger, <laughs> um, and he wants to be up there, and that should excite people because. Listen, his his focus is getting back on the NHL, whether it's yeah. whether it's because he doesn't love the life in Bridgeport, uh, or you know whatever the case. Whatever may be. motivates you, buddy. <laughs> he, he wants to be back there, and I think uh, if it wasn't for the comments or the perceived way the comments were taken, mm-hmm. I think people people there's a lot of people that agree Salo should be here. I don't know why he's not at this point in the year when you know your season's over, and you're just developing for the future. Salo should be here. There's no question. Well, that. I think he will be back. That's for sure. So thanks for bringing up that discussion, folks, in the chat, because uh, it was a good one. Good stuff. Yeah. So before we head into our other segments on the show, I did want to talk about this whole resurgence we're seeing from Kyle Palmieri yeah. and Zach Parisi. And, you know, I talked about it before. Parisi, uh, sorry, well, both of them, but Palmieri's putting up all these goals now. He would have had another two if yeah. they weren't disallowed. Palmieri would have hat- almost had a hat trick. Well, he almost had a disallowed goal hat trick. He only needed yeah. one more. <laughs> That's um, and I was ready to ask Eric Hornick, <laughs> you know, the stat on has anybody ever had has any one player had three goals disallowed in the same game? I'm sure I'm sure our guys had two in the past. I'm, I'm sure it's rare, but it would have been interesting to see if there was a, a guy who had three different goals disallowed. That would be something to hang your hat on. I, I mean, I'm, I, if I was that guy, I'd be pretty pissed. I don't even know if that's something you even now after post career you're like, yeah, that's still something I'm pretty pretty butthurt about. Definitely an interesting thing to see. But with that in mind, Rare. with him extremely with with him performing better, I mean not only just putting goals in, he's been more noticeable. He had he had some play yesterday against the Blues where he almost did his best Matt Barzal impression where he skated around pretty much the entire offensive zone, but also doing toe dragon, making right. some nice move with his, moves with his hands, which you really don't typically see out of Kyle Palmieri. He's more of like a lunch paler guy, yeah. right? Crashing the net and whatnot. Yep. And it really stuck out. And I think what I want to kind of talk about is, you know, and, and as, as part of the Islander country here, you know, we've seen this time and time again over the course of time. And maybe a guy you can, you can talk about is like Marius Tchaikovsky, right? He, he's a guy who would put up like 30, 35 goals and, you know, a completely lost season, right? Like probably back in like 96 right, or whatever right, right, right. it was where Tchaikovsky's <laughs> putting up these great numbers. But the pressure's not there. And that's what I'm talking about. So the second half comes. Parise's putting up numbers. Palmieri's putting up numbers. Is it because they finally found their game? Is it because... You know, luck just start, the puck started going in their direction. Right. The puck breaks or whatever you want to call it, the puck luck. Puck luck. 
um, you know, where instead of Palmieri, right, the hockey gods, instead of the pucks going into the goalie's chest, it's finally finding its way into the net. Or is it because the pressure's off? Because now there's there's not as much, you know, um, pressure in, in, in winning these games because they kind of know they're out of it already. Now, I'm going to try to answer my own question first and then bring it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get my own thoughts in there. But I... These guys are, are in their 30s. They've been in the league for a long time. I don't think that stuff factors in anymore. I think it's more just they found their game. I don't think it's they're just lucky now because because of the pressure's off. I think that this is something we probably would have seen whether they were in it or out of it. But please, go ahead. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think the Islanders are a bit more comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, after you go through such... I, you know, I, I know in the past I've been hesitant to give any sort of credence to the idea of starting off on a road trip for 13 games and kind of use that as an excuse, but it's it's obviously tiring and has an impact. Mm. You know, the pressure that comes along with opening a new building and, you know, all the expectations on the outside for this team and this and that. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a little bit of a combination of everything that's going on right now. I think they're a little more comfortable. There's finally some some... Not as much. There was so much turnover in the first half of the season. There was so much chaos that Mm -hmm. there's finally a little calm. And I think that absolutely makes players more comfortable, whether they're a rookie, whether they're a veteran. I think that's a factor. I think absolutely would say I think it's because some of those guys know that the season is not going to go the way everyone expected it to. Mm -hmm. And so there is a little less pressure. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, those mistakes, I mean, they're amplified, but it's not to the sense of, well, now not only are these mistakes amplified, but they're costing us a playoff spot, this or that. Mm-hmm. So there's a little more free reign, and I think you've seen it in years past with okay. this team. Okay. Um, like I said, it's disappointing to kind of see the organ, the take those kind of tiptoe back a little bit to, yeah. to, days, to harken back to days that weren't as great for Islander fans, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's absolutely some of that going on in addition to guys okay. finally getting getting their rhythm going a little bit. But and then I think part of that is just... They they know the pressure is off them a little bit. Okay, fair enough. And 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 I think it was of course, Jeremy thirteen. There's, there's dad power made a good point. Dad power. Uh, and Jeremy thirteen made a good point. Parise has been consistently playing well all year. It's just that the pucks are going in. I mean, he we've been saying it since the beginning. Even when he wasn't scoring, busting his tail all night, yeah. playing really well. And I said it recently too. Like if they had, he's a, a second half player. <laughs> just like you said, self proclaimed second half player. But I said it uh, not too long ago, too. If they were in playoff contention and they did make the playoffs, Parise would have been huge in the playoffs for this team. He's, yeah. he's, he's exactly that kind of player. With the way he's been playing during the season, the guy probably would have been potting goals, putting up points big time. I'm curious. Well, so I, I, in, that, in that vein, what, you, how much do you think that would have changed the course of that 2020 playoff run? Having him on, and like, if let's say go back in 2020. You know, pre. You know, no one knows the world's about to end. You know, the Islanders <laughs> go out and they get um, um, you know, um, Pajot, JG Pajot at the deadline. There's rumors mm-hmm. that the that the the trade for um, Zach Parisi was in the works. They couldn't financially figure it out. Right. Let's say somehow, some way, they use some sort of witchcraft to make the numbers work, and Zach Parisi ends up an Islander. He's obviously going to have, like everyone else did, at those first couple games, he's going to be miserable, right? And right. then the world ends. <laughs> right. And then everyone goes to the bubble, and the Islanders <laughs> yeah. are miraculous. Do you think that Zach Parise would have made much of a difference back then? It's a good question, and I don't know. I mean, if for the first question you have to ask, actually, funny enough, is 
does it have an effect on their place in the standings? Now, not remembering how the regular season standings ended that year, would he have made a difference in the amount of points they had? Would they have had a different opponent in the first round? I guess at the I don't end think of the, so. whether they would or they wouldn't have if they get to, I guess the question is once they get to face Tampa, right? What happens then? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I've seen nothing but good things out of him this season. And and you're talking 2 years ago now, right? right? Where he maybe has even a little more pep in his step, right? And maybe Maybe he's the difference to at least extend that series to seven games against Tampa. It doesn't end in six. Or or, or it could go the other way. I mean, look, both – they had a chance both times. Parise would have made a difference overall in their playoff performance, mm. no doubt about okay. it. Having a guy like him with his veteran pedigree, the way we've seen him play night in, night out with this team, again, I think he is tailor-made for the playoffs. And I guess we've, we've come to learn that may, that may be the one problem with this team is, is that they have too many guys that are made for the playoffs. who are made almost too much. I mean, it sounds so strange to say, but almost made too much for the playoffs and not enough for the regular season. Um, so yeah, what do you made a difference? Sure. Would he, would it have been a, the difference between winning the cup or not in 2020? That's hard for me to say. It's just a fun little experience. Of course it is. And, and, and Jeremy, to answer your question, it was M. Jimmy or, and, uh, MJ Beckman, whoever it was, uh, it was lad for Parisi was the, was the, and a lot there. of other crap yeah. going, there was going a lot around. of like, there's, there was a lot of financial maneuvering that and, needed to be done. And if that happens, does Kyle Palmieri come the next year? And does Jordan, like uh, that could have change the trajectory of this team last year too completely if they got him back then we don't know what else they would have done since then where what the team looks like now but fun question and could have been different in some alternate universe out there the islanders did in fact get yeah, Zach crazy we, we need we need to check in with the tva and ask them <laughs> what the alternate timeline would have looked like if, if zach parisi was on the team in, in 2020 but if no it's a could. fun question it's a, i thought it was interesting just because you brought it up and and excuse me and certainly Two years ago, Zach Parisi would have been interesting, and yeah, that's it's it's certainly an interesting interesting scenario. We just also want to remind everybody, of course, coming up a little bit later in the show is questions brewing, brought to you by our great 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 partners. <laughs> yes, uh, in Oyster Bay Brewing Company, we absolutely love them, and we love when you guys participate in the chat and interact that's my with favorite us. part of the show. And so we want to remind you, you can get your questions brewing uh, by just throwing them into the chat right now. Put questions brewing at the beginning so we know yes. and to as long get as, those. As long as Christian does his job <laughs> to, to, you know, I won't refresh of them. the page. Whatever. Right, <laughs> that happened we'll, once. Then we'll actually we've be been, able to have a good We've been doing segment. this all season. I forgot. I've messed it up one time. And I'll never let Christian. it then. Because as you know, I'm always flawless with, with producing the yeah, show, right? You with the never hit the wrong button. And never. <laughs> never. Never. Cued the wrong thing up. No, no, no. Went to the wrong screen. That's never I'm happened. Yeah. It's also another alternate universe, Trotty at 19. The Islanders got Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, that big. that would have probably been a bigger changer than, than Parisi. You that know, probably would have made a bigger difference. More wild. There's probably another alternate universe out there where Doug Wade is still the coach. John Tavares left for Toronto, and the Islanders still ended up with Vladimir Tarasenko somewhere. Well, well thankfully, <laughs> Loki never caused us to be living in that timeline right now. We're, we're where we are. Yes, we're where we are. But, but speaking and Garth of... Snow is still the GM somehow. <laughs> Why do you why do you want us to suffer so much pain? I don't think I'm Vladimir Tarasenko. Okay. So I th- <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of segments, I think it's time uh, to move on to what's on tap. And now it's time for what's on tap. Brought to you by RJ Daniels, American Bar and Grill. 
That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. So, Christian, here's one of the other few jobs that you need to do on this program. What's on tap for the New York Islanders? Well, what's on tap is the mm-hmm. Islanders will play hockey games. And not just any yeah. hockey games, but they'll You've play... you used that joke before. They'll play... Wow, okay. I, well, I was... I was <laughs> Kind of just giving myself a second to get to the right part. Of oh, I know what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, all right, so just call me out. Or whatever. <laughs> Real dick move. Wow. Uh, who said that? Don't no curse on this show. Uh, the Islanders face the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. That's March 7th at the UBS Arena at 730. The Ubes, the, the Devontae's revenge tour continues, I would imagine, <laughs> uh, after after getting a goal against his former team the, the last time these two It's not fair. Play. Those two second-round draft picks don't get to get revenge yet. Well, I think one was put in a deal somewhere, <laughs> but they, they still have to bide their time. They'll come back. They'll, yeah. they'll, those draft picks that'll, I don't know, get traded somewhere else, they'll come back and score twice on the Islanders. There you There's go. one game in the future, speaking of alternate timelines. Islanders also host the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday uh, at 7.30 at UBS Arena. And the Winnipeg Jets, who still remain... Uh, the Islanders haven't seen the Winnipeg Jets since, what was that, The November? game that you always love, the game, calling the best game of the season. Because it was. That's your favorite game of the year. That game against the Jets. Well, because we watched it with Donnie Beagles. We, we did, at, Mr. Beagles at himself. the Blue Line Deli. Yes, that's and, right. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So. It, was a good, it was a good time. Forgive me for enjoying quality time with my friends, but I'll just go, <laughs> I'll just go jump off a bridge or whatever. Damn. And, of course, the Islanders play the Anaheim, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks on next Sunday at 7th. 30 we are still trying to figure out what our showtime will be like for that show right we were kind of discussing that beforehand we're still figuring out next yeah. week you have that seven thirty game against the ducks we may have to make some maneuvers but we'll figure it out don't worry we'll keep you posted so yeah islanders have a busy slate of of games coming up all these games i mean it's hard it's hard to even get really amped up about a lot of these games anymore it's exciting to see that i'm ducks in person i guess um <laughs> Devontae's return to Long Island is always a, is yeah. always, a, always a nice touch. Well, you get Long Island's own magician on ice in Anaheim. Sonny well, Sonny no, Sonny Milano isn't the other dude from. Long oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. What's his name? <laughs> I wasn't. Even, I was just gonna. Trevor Travis, <laughs> the, the dude who was at the All Star game, who did the crazy dodgeball goal. What was his name? Zegris. Yeah. Zegris. Trevor Zegris. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a Long Island dude, right? I think so. Or at least a New York dude. Or I'm completely out. giving misinformation. So there you go. Yeah, Zegris. Yeah, yeah and it was Sonny and thank Milano you guys. from Mass. No, he yes, Milano is definitely from Long Island. That I know, but I thought Zegris was too. So see, this is another great. Okay, Zegris is not from Long Island. <laughs> so that's just me spouting out, you know, misinformation on the show again. But this is actually another again, great reason a, why we Milano. have the chat. So that we can be corrected in so real we don't time. don't have to pay a producer. So that even if we look like morons <laughs> for a brief moment, somebody can bail us out at the end. So now I just need somebody to say whether or not he's from New York. So at least I don't look that wrong. But I thought he was. Obviously, I'm wrong. But Sonny Milano. Long Island, Long Island. The pride of Long Island. Sonny Milano. Good Lord. Westchester. There we go. Bedford, New York. See? It was New York. Yes. So I was only half wrong. <laughs> or <laughs> glass half full. I was half right. There you go. Right. So, but also on tap, Mr. Arnold, uh, big news here. We, we posted it on the social, but now we're going to talk about it here. Islanders versus Rangers indoor tailgate party on St. Patrick's Day at the Long Island Marriott next to the Coliseum. That's right. We're bringing it back to the region of the barn, not the, not the barn itself. 
But we're going back to the general area. Going to be a lot of fun. Thursday, March 17th, fundraiser to benefit the Long Island Rough Riders sled hockey. The fun starts at 5 p.m. Our friends at Drive for Five and Isles Fanatics will be in the house hanging out with us. It's sponsored by Patron Tequila, Lost Farmer Brewing Company. There's going to be tailgate games uh, brought brought to you by Patron, like Cornhole. That's going to be fun, all that good stuff. There's going to be a 50-50 auction giveaways. Uh, food and drink specials. Lost Farmer's going to give a free beer on the Islanders' first goal. So you know they're going to get shut out. <laughs> they're definitely getting shut out that, that night. about right. But that's I wasn't. I didn't want to be the one to say that because you always accuse me of such negativity. <laughs> ah, it's fun. It's funny. But you're gonna have a. There's gonna be part of the prizes. A full team autographed stick will be available as part of the raffles. So much like the raffles we've been doing in our viewing parties, there's gonna be plenty of different prizes yeah, to get fun. involved in. There might be some other surprises coming too that we can't talk about yet because they're not official. But it's gonna be a fun night. Come down, watch the Islanders versus the Rangers. At the Marriott next to the Coliseum. We're going to do a pregame show. I'm looking at my phone to look at something with the with the event, so I don't want to get yelled at for looking at my phone. Well, yeah, that's that's nice at least. At least you're giving us you know a heads up here, and you're not just acting like you're completely disinterested in doing the show. But yeah, guys, come on down. St. Patrick's Day. Have some fun. Maybe there'll be some green beer. We'll see. I was going to say, you know, there's all these great sponsors, Patron and... Uh, Lost Farmer. Um, there's nothing, nothing, no, uh, no Jameson on the ta- on on the, uh, on listen, the docket. Listen, Saint I don't. Patrick's Day. Bro. I don't. You know, run the show over there. You know, but know. Patron's a great look. Patron Tequila is fantastic. Patron. Yeah, it's gonna be great to have them involved. It's gonna be a lot, a lot of fun. So come on down, and uh, that's it for what's on tap. There you go. Yeah, we we had to replace the button with uh, with the interview, <laughs> so I don't have the outro for that. No, no, I just did it. Fine. You did a great job. <laughs> that, that was what's on tap. That's presented right. by RJ Daniels American Grill, American Bar and Grill, whatever. Awesome. Pretty good, not bad, not bad. So we're we're having a lot of fun. We're having a lot of laughs. Why don't we take a break? We'll we'll, we'll settle down a little bit here. And then we'll come back with the hero of the week. The hero of the week. That's brought to you by Blue Line Deli. (laughs) American Bar and Grill. Folks, we want to thank you so much for tuning into twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. Hope you're having as much fun as we are here on the show. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer. And Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero. This week is the Selly, featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella cheese on a toasted garlic hero. Get it for half price all week at the Huntington location starting tomorrow. That is Monday through next week where we will announce a brand new half-off hero. Stop on in. Mention Hockey Night New York for half off the Selly. So, Mr. Arnold, tell us all who is your hero of the week? Batman. Did you see it yet? No, I gotta see it. Everyone's been raving about it. I've seen very good comments on social media. Thankfully, I haven't had anything spoiled That's yet. That's just good. Yeah. Because I already got something spoiled. Uh, I, I don't want to hear it. No, no, I'm not going to tell you. I want to hear it. Because I was so mad when I saw it. I was, like, I was pretty annoyed. I have successfully dodged the spoilers but it can't be Batman, Christian. But well, you could say this gentleman is a young Bruce Wayne. <laughs> is that right? That's what I hear anyway. Oh, okay. What what's his name? Just kidding. It's Oliver Wallstrom. Obviously, hey. he's been going through a bit of a rough stretch. He, what was it? 11-12 game goal drought. There we go. There he is. Uh 11-12 game goal, goal drought that he was going through. <laughs> uh finally breaks through on Saturday against the um St. Louis Blues. In an effort, and a, a very good effort from the New York Islanders in 8.52 of work. So he had five shots on net, which is which is good because the Islanders... He's you know, the guy you want shooting the puck. Yeah, the Islanders don't necessarily shoot the puck a lot, and he does. So it was good. We need him to shoot him. more. And it, it is, it's important for him to kind of see him break out of those droughts. Yes. Because uh, he's, he's kind of gone through a lot of ups and downs this season. Excuse me. A lot of ups and downs this season. And it's always a positive, especially with someone as talented and, and someone you're really going to want to rely on going forward, like Wallstrom, to, to kind of get himself out of that and, and be given the opportunity. Now, he's playing 852 of ice time. The, the ice not time ideal. Not, not what ideal. you want. But you make the most of that. And he, and he has, all, for the vast majority of the season, because a lot of people complaining about the lack of ice time he's been getting. But even in those shorter stints in on a, on a particular night, he was still able to... Get a goal, get shots yeah. on net. So, yeah. look, I think ultimately he's going to end up being a, a good one, just like his co-draftee Noah Dobson or Nobson, as we affectionately call him here. Yeah, well, he's just not not because we can't speak. He's and we always fumble words. No, no, that was intentional from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's just on a little bit of a, a longer trajectory uh, compared to Noah Dobson. But all in all, I think he's going to be a, a gamer for this team. We'll see if it's going to be a top three, top six. Should we be concerned that T. Boyle's asking people if uh, if they they're watching The Walking Dead? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's lost interest. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's he's tuned out. I don't know. I mean, you know, look, the, the chat is free. You can talk. You can talk about whatever you want. So Walking Dead, sure, have at it. But it's time for me to give my hero 
Christian. And that is? My hero is Ross the Boss Johnson. Now, there was plenty of good candidates for this week, but if you go all the way back to Sunday for that game against the Ducks, which we did the viewing party for over at RJ Daniels, right. Ross the Boss had two assists, one of which was beautiful, made a beautiful play, cross-eyes yeah. pass to Casey Zizekas for a goal. Big part of that 4 nothing win. And look, let's face it, this is a guy who isn't going to get the hero of the week that often. often. Yeah. So I want to give credit when it's due to Ross the Boss Johnson. I think this is a guy we're going to see in more games next year. After some changes we might see with this team, I think he finally might be the guy who comes off the bench a little bit more or, or out of the press box a little bit more next year and, and sees some more time with this team. Well, I mean, if, if things kind of go, I think, as a lot of people expect them to go, I think he's the guy that takes that Cal Clutterbuck spot in the fourth line if Clutterbuck gets traded or dealt or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? He's not back next year. Then I think Ross Johnson is the, is the kind of the go-to guy to fill in that role and, and kind of what we talked about very, very early on in the season when they announced that that contract is uh, that was I think to me anyway the first indication that the Islanders are looking beyond or looking at life post the best fourth line in hockey. So uh, Ross Johnson certainly deserved it. He had a hell of a game that night, and you know when he's on the ice, we joke, but when he is on the ice, things you know, happen. He, he makes things happen. And Mel Armenia twenty two points out that bad things happened on the ice again in the game against Colorado. And I guess for a guy like that, you're going to get that every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Also, we should. I, I think Barry Trotz should have been a candidate for Hero of the Week just for one of the most memorable quotes of the year. He's been churning out a couple of quotes recently, actually. The, the, the one about the turnovers and ex-wives. That was the, the big one. one. That was the main. Uh, one. Yeah. So that's that's if if we had a, if I had a second nominee for Hero of the Week, that would be my second nominee. A lot of candidates, but there you have it, folks. Ross the boss, Oliver Wallstrom. If you disagree, sorry. <laughs> what can I tell you? But remember, folks, it is brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, the Celly with grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero. Stop at a Huntington from now until next week. Word. You'll mention Hockey Night in New York and get half price if you do. Word. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that does it for the hero of the week. Mel Armenia 22, maybe that's the quote of the week. You know what? Probably a prime candidate for that. And even though it's not a quote from the show, we might be able to make an exception. Because usually quote of the week is, quote, you know, something somebody said on the show. Usually something brilliant that I said. Rarely anything that Christian said. That's fair. And, and, and half the time, maybe, you know, a quote from the guest. But, yes, <laughs> we might be able to make an exception and, and, and use Barry Well, the guest we'll is see. usually the smallest we'll, one on the show. We'll, we'll have a, a, a meeting you know, throughout the week, and we'll, we'll decide we who's going to have the, the quote of the week. So, moving on from the hero... Hero of the week. Maybe we just dive straight into questions, Bruin. I mean, questions, Bruin. We talked the about the games, plenty of deadline talk with Scott yeah. Burnside. I'm not sure if we need to dive any further into that, unless you had something you wanted to opine on, Christian. As far as that goes, I did not actually. Yeah, that was that was my expected answer there. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, we we covered a lot of stuff yeah. here. I mean, we we got the games, and again, the Ducks, the Avs, the Canucks, and the, and the Blues. I mean, you just look at the Avs and the Canucks games, and those are two games that they could have came away with, if not for some Just mistakes here and there, if not for some bad luck, if not for some some problems in the Toronto video review booth. As far as the Colorado game goes, there, yeah, were, yeah, yeah, that was that was rough. That was yeah. rough. It because it, it uh, you know it absolutely sucked the momentum right out of the room for the Islanders, right? Because the uh, that was the Avalanche game, or was that the Vancouver game? That was the Avalanche game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that absolutely sucked the sucked the air right out of the room for the Islanders who had momentum, and then. 
what happens? Avalanche go and score the other way. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. When you lose a break like that against a team like the Avalanche, it's probably going to hurt you. Bad calls, yes. Sign of a massive conspiracy against the Islanders, no. Yeah. That's, no, no, I just uh, want to make, my, I wanna make that up. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So, look, decent week, 500 week. You had a tough team against Colorado. They lost to. They could have won that game. Probably should have had a better rounding against the Canucks. That didn't go their way. And you had that goal where Varlamov kind of lost his balance and fell. Not the first yeah. time that's happened with him, too, where he kind of gets first like frozen and he kind of falls yeah. back. And It's happened a couple times. You're right. It did earlier on in the year, I remember. I don't know what it is with him where that happens sometimes. I mean, not a reason to say get get rid of him, even though they're probably going to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but... But well, they yeah. have the greatest goaltender in the world in Ilya Sorokin. <laughs> According to Don, Donnie Bagels, yes. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, 500 week. It's just a matter now, again. Pull out the positives that you can. Look for the development of Oliver Wallstrom. Look for the development of Kiefer Bellows. I think he's still playing better than he was. Mm-hmm. He's earned himself uh, more time, which is good. He's, he's playing out there. Noah Dobson keeps getting better by the game. He looks excellent out there. He's got. Yeah. He's in double digits in goals now. He's going to be a great weapon on that right side. He's only getting more confident. You Now you look at Pollock, Dobson, and Mayfield as your three right side defensemen. That's nice. Yeah. The age is right. You can, you can live with that. Absolutely. You got, that. you got two guys that can put up a lot of points. You got a guy who can be on the penalty kill yep. in Mayfield. Right side's nice now. Now nice. it's just a matter of repairing the left side. It did look nice in previous years when you still had Taves over there and Letty over there. But... They kind of got to do something about that left side because Pelic is is kind of on a, you know, a little bit of an island right now as yeah. far as you know he needs some support backup. behind him. Yeah, he needs some backup there. Maybe it's Salah one day. Maybe it's Aho one day if he ever gets that chance. But right. I mean, look, the the days of Andy Green and Zdeno Char are got to be fast closing. Right. Here. I mean, I I would be. It's a failed off season. I feel if Andy Green is brought back to be in a top six role next year. If you want him there for the seventh D man, if somebody gets hurt. Okay, right, fine. But there's got to be some younger, faster guys back there, somebody who can move the puck, and, and hopefully Lou Lamarillo can... Yes, younger would be nice. Faster. Yes, all of the above. But you're seeing great development Stronger. at Dobson. Oh, we got it. Yeah, we got it. All, all of those adjectives would be very beneficial to the Islanders team. So, but yes, we're watching these games now. You got whatever it is, 30, 30-something games left. You got to try to pull the positives from where you can. Obviously, there's there's a lot of anticipation between now and the trade deadline. Yeah. Who's going to go? Who's getting showcased, if anybody? What kind of assets do they get back? What can they use to turn around over the summer to hopefully improve this team and and, and hopefully pick up where they left off at the end of last year, right? <laughs> Reset button this year. Next year, they get back in the playoff mix, and, and hopefully they... Uh, you know, fulfill those those cup dreams that we're all thinking about right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's now where everyone's focus is. There's no, at mm-hmm. least there's, there's, it's got to be because you can't let a repeat of this year happen again next year. Because mm-hmm. then I think that's sort of that turn. Because I, I know we've talked about it before. The the window I think is closing a lot is closing very quickly. Uh, after this, it's season. it's on the, the the second half of it. You know what I mean? It's on the tail end with this with tail this end group. Has, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting. Mean, it, it, you know, it's it's tough to say or tough to know what Lou Lamorello is going to do because Lou Lamorello is, you know, he's the Don. You know, nothing gets <laughs> yes. nothing gets out without his authorization. So he, uh, you know, I think he obviously had a plan this season. Things didn't go according to that plan. I, I you know, I th- we've obviously talked about it before. The island, the fact that 
the team that was on the ice this year, I don't think was plan A, B, or C, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Some yeah of the we said that, yep. So now is the time to kind of get ahead of the game, try and start setting the chess pieces for next offseason, which is going to be a, a critical one for the Islanders, and turning that page and, and taking that ne- next step forward. And it'll be interesting to watch, to say the least. It really will. Yeah, and Trottier 19 makes a good point. NYI has to prove they can play decent for 82 games a season, not just a bubble or short season, which is something we focused yeah. on here. Yeah, they, they need to be a regular season and, and a playoff, playoff team. team. Yeah. That's the problem. That that is it. The strangest issue. I never thought that that's even like something that would be discussed. How a team could be a playoff team but not a regular season right. team? Because you would think, well, if they're a playoff team, they're obviously a regular season. Team. Right. But there's such a disparity between the playoffs it's di- and two the different regular games. season. And it's two it, it's, games. It, I'd love to know why that is. Right. Like I would love to know what the difference in the mentality and to the in the physicality and why why there is such a shift, a, a very a, a cosmic shift. It's it's a combination. It's just tighter hockey overall, where I think you're playing more. And this is kind of how Barry Trotz teams are coaches. You're right. playing to make you're you're playing to minimize your mistakes. You're playing to to play from the defense and the goaltending out in the sense that you capitalize on your turnovers. You capitalize on your rushes the other way to get your goals. And obviously, that's not the the hundred percent blueprint. It doesn't always go that way. But you're minimizing the the mishaps on your end of the ice so you can capitalize on what's going on, on the other end. And, and when you have the referees swallowing their whistles, that means you can play a little more chippy. Mm-hmm. You can play a little more. Well, they change they change an entire rule because of Scott Mayfield from last season. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like- exactly. Exactly, uh, but I mean, that's those th- battles in front of the net. I mean, that was the exact and they why and they, they have guys that. that have been proven in in those instances. Again, the Paul Marys, the Parises, yeah. the Anders Lees, Brock Nelson's been clutched during the season and in the playoffs, big time in the playoffs. And yeah. and you even have guys like Josh Bailey who who have stepped up in the playoffs, no matter how uneven of a season he's having this year. It, they have guys that when they get in there, they know how to play. What no matter how you are supposed to play in the playoffs, this team knows how to do it, and it doesn't always change. JG Pajot, another perfect example. Yeah. A guy who just a lot of these guys are just balls to the wall hockey players, right? Where they get down in the dirty areas, they play hard in front of the net, they win puck battles, all that stuff, and that's usually what translates to wins in the playoffs. Where like great regular season team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, great regular season team, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Could they be a great playoff team too? Remains to be seen. We'll find out. But so far they're not. Yeah. They have all these weapons. They have all this firepower. The Matthews, the Marners, the the McKinnons and the Landis Cogs and whatnot. But for for whatever reason, for teams like them, it doesn't translate the way it needs to in the playoffs. Now Tampa found that right mix where they had that line right. which they lost this past summer because they had all those guns, but then they also had the guys like Goudreau and all those other guys. A mix of guys that can do both the necessary necessary aspects in the playoffs can still hold it down during the regular season. And then they had the talent, the offensive weaponry, the, you know, the Steven Stamkoses and then all those guys to go out there and, and battle out through an 82 game. The Isles are lacking the skill guys. That's the problem. They have the guys who can grind out of playoffs, but when you're relying on those same guys to also be your goal scorers for 82 games, that's where it becomes a problem. That's where you start looking at guys like Kyle Palmieri, who can yeah. hit the broad side of a barn for the first <laughs> half of a season. One goal. Right, I mean, you need guys with with a higher skill skill level that you can count on to rip a shot and yeah. hit the top right corner. And you know, Oliver Wallstrom banking. You know, he had a, he had a great goal from the goal line. Was it yesterday against the Blues where he just banked it in off of Bennington? He had a little hole to work with for the net. He put it through, and then they, they need more of that. They need guys like him that can snipe. You know, Brock can do it every now and then, but they just need more skill overall. 
So we'll see. I think this yeah. is going to be a very, you know, the deadline may be a precursor to what Lou sets up for himself. And then this summer, I think, is going to be extremely interesting to see how he decides to to kind of pad this roster. And, and I had noted on Twitter, uh, I think it was Andy Graziano had posted a list of UFA players coming up this summer. And a lot of them were, were forwards and wingers. And quite a few of them, if they make it that far, I was like, wouldn't mind him. Right. Wouldn't mind him. Right. He right, could help. Right. He could help. And that list, you know, probably starts with Philip Forsberg if he still ends up being available at that time. But I think that bodes well for the Isles that even if you don't get the first or second guy at the top of your list, like we like to say, I think there's enough guys that could be available where you're you're like, this guy can help this team. He can be a top six forward that can put some goals in and and maybe, you know, relieve that stress of trying to win every game 2-1 and 3-2. Top of the list. Top O the list, Matty Boy. (laughs) All right, so... Let's get two questions brewing. It's time for questions brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. That's right, folks. It's time for questions brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company and their fantastic American Lager. Stop into the brewery, pick some up there, go to your local beverage center, get some there. Fantastic stuff, and of course the Barn Rocker as well. Great stuff going on at Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Christian, what do you got? Oh, our first question brewing coming from MJ Beckman. Question brewing. Charles, Chara gets honored after going on IR. Does he dress again this year or does he get the Boychuk treatment? Why don't you go for that one? I think he's going to end up dressing again this year at some point. I don't know if he's going to get the Boychuk treatment because I, I, I think. I think it was two different scenarios. Um, Agreed. And I think the Islanders were kind of in two different spots when it came to to those to those particular particular players. And so I don't I don't know I don't think that's gonna be I don't think that's the 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 course that's gonna kind of play out here with with Char. I think the Islanders kind of still see some value in playing him when they can, and mm-hmm. they're gonna want to get him back on the ice and. Obviously, knowing they must. this team, they played them every game. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, knowing knowing this team too, and they value their veterans, right? They're going to want to get him back out there. They're going to want to give him some minutes, and they're going to want to, uh, you know, they're going to want him around guys in more than just kind of that coaching mentor capacity. Uh, in the sense that, remember, at that point, you know, uh, Johnny Boychuk was around the organization. He was he was on the ice at practices, kind of working as basically mm-hmm. a, an, another coach. Mm-hmm. And I think they still, the Islanders still see that. No, I don't. They don't see Chara in that aspect yet, as far as where his career is, and I think that was more to Johnny Boychuk kind of understanding where things were for him anyway. Because right. you know everyone kind of looked at look at looked at that announcement about the eye injury and this and that, and went, hmm. They kind of questioned it, but I think that was a very serious injury that he went through, considering some oh, of yeah. the trauma that that he had gone Awful. through with, with with some of that. So I, 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 you know, I think there are two different stages when it comes to their health and their recovery ability. Right on. No, no, Christian, I think you hit it on the head. I don't think I need to add more. Yeah, for once. Wow. (laughs) Couldn't just say something nice, huh? Uh, CGS878, question brewing. Question's brewing. Does Chara play another game before the trade deadline? Does he he play another game before the trade deadline? I mean, that's three weeks away. No, two weeks away. Sorry, math off. Two weeks away. Yes, (laughs) I I think he gets in. I think he gets in another one before, before we hit the trade deadline. So, yes. I, I don't know what that matters at this point because the other teams you know, we're playing, know, yeah, the other so. teams know what he's bringing to the table these days. If they're, if I mean, nobody's going to trade for him if they read Islander Twitter, that's for sure. But 
Yeah, I think he does get back in. I don't. I don't. I. I genuinely think that the coaching staff wants him in as soon as he's ready. Because again, we, even though people like ourselves here yeah. and even you guys in the chat or anybody listening might say why, <laughs> it seems like they do. Whatever we're not seeing, it seems like they want him in there. And until they finally say, okay, we're definitely not trying to make the playoffs anymore. Right. That's when he probably wears the suit a little more often. And, you know, Barry and Lou say, okay, let's finally give Ajo a shot at some games <laughs> here to see if we actually want to keep him around long term. And, and I think we're at the point where it's time to do that. Let's, let's see what he can do. And look, and there's also the whole the, the thing about, oh, Charles is a veteran. You've got to respect him. He didn't sign it to be up in the press box. So they're probably, I don't know, how much do they have to appease him? I don't know. I but don't know. I don't, I've never gotten that sense that they have to, that yeah, they have to appease him. You never anyone. know what goes into any of that stuff. But, but, yeah, I think he gets in before the trade deadline. But I also think that he might sit himself a few more games than he had been just because they want to see what they got in some of these other guys. Mike, 4652Co, question brewing. Once Barzal is back, who is sitting? Ah, yes. The age-old question. Who takes the pine when Barzell comes back? Whoever's in Barry's doghouse at the time. So it's going to be Wallstrom or Bellows, right? I don't know. I mean, look, Paul Mary's not sitting anymore. Is Josh Bailey going to take a seat again if he's healthy? Probably not. I don't know. But then again... Again, we're we're in this we're in this part of the season now yeah. where they can give a guy a rest and say, "Look, we're out of it. Let's let's give Kiefer and Oliver more of a shot here. Let's give them a consistent amount of games here, some consistent ice time, and maybe Bailey and Palmer are like, yeah, fine, you know, I'll take a seat, no problem. But who specifically right now? I mean, I don't know if there's anybody in the current lineup that that I hate that's in there right now. I mean, maybe you sit Matt Martin again and you just bump somebody else down to the fourth line. Barry seems to be a little more comfortable doing that more recently but you know is there anybody in the top nine that really deserves to come out i don't necessarily think so i want to see bellows in there still i want to see walsham in there still so i guess if i had to choose i'd say let let matt martin sit again and, <laughs> and bump somebody else down to the fourth get line. out matt it's martin probably not that's probably not you. what's gonna happen. and i love matt martin but i want to see I the kids know, play not, not, not with that kind of attitude you don't okay well what do what do you think you know, I, I think it's interesting because the Islanders, what? Well, MJ Beckman mentions Otto Koivula. I don't think there's any chance that he's going to be in the lineup if the rest of the guys are healthy. Well, I think he's just kind of getting in there. Well, he's Koivula's in now. Koivula's in there because there's injuries to multiple different... There's multiple different... There's multiple <laughs> players. Right. Uh, there's not multiple injuries to one player. <laughs> right. But I think if it's... And you kind of said it before, it depends on who's healthy and who's back in. Like, right. if Josh Bailey is still out, Mm-hmm. And Koivula is an option. Koivula is the first one coming out. Yeah. And then it becomes who's sitting for Josh Bailey. And that, and then you hit the question that we kind of have now. But I think right now, depending I don't depending on the severity of the injury to Josh Bailey, I think Koivula is the first guy that sits. Mm-hmm. And, and then he was out there. for personal reasons. Right. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, Thank you, Mel. That obviously adds another, another element to it. it it's interesting. It, it really is. Look, I mean, the, the the truth of the matter is... Because I think you're right. I think it, it, you look at the lineup, it'd be Wallstrom or Bellows, and it'd probably be Bellows. It depends. It depends. It depends. We'll see. We'll see. But, again, I mean, it's just a matter of, of, of who they want to see out in the ice now under these circumstances. And, you know, when the New York Islanders decide in internally when they're done chasing the playoffs. Because, obviously, they're still... Lou Lemerle still believes in this team. Barry Trott still believes in this team. We all do. But 
they're not they're not getting in. So it's just a matter of when they. I, I'm curious to see if and when they pivot to kind of giving these guys more ice time because they know they're out of it. And Jeremy, thirteen questions brewing. Does Varlamov or Bailey get moved by the deadline? Varlamov or Bailey? Yeah. I think Varlamov is, is going. I think he's going. I'd be surprised if he didn't because you got to figure you get more for him at the deadline than you do over the summer. And if you're confident enough in Sorokin and the goaltending coaching uh, magic that this team is able to weave, then you, you kind of go in with confidence that whoever they bring in to back up Sorokin right. is going to at least – do a decent job. I mean, again, the Isles have been pretty spoiled ever since they came in with between Grice, Varlamov, Leonard. They've all performed very well under this coaching staff, so you'd like to think that the next guy that comes in to back up will do the same with Piero Greco and and company. So um, I think Varlamov goes. I think you, you get the most that you can for him now. There's going to be a team, as Scott Burnside mentioned, like Minnesota that could look yeah. for some goaltending. I think Colorado could be a candidate there too. Well, he probably can't go back. He's probably not going back there. But <laughs> but a team like that hey, you never know. that could use a goaltender, I think Varlamov is going. Josh Bailey, I'm really on the fence about that one because I think Lou is cold-hearted enough to trade him. In the sense, that if you consider that cold-hearted, right? I don't know, long, a lifetime Islander. I don't think it's him? a it's a cold-hearted thing. But I also think that the trade would be something that they'd be in conversation with Bailey about. You know what I mean? Like if a trade with Josh Bailey does come to light, I think that there's going to be some professional courtesy because if you think back to when you think back to when Lou Lamoureux ran the the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And everyone ran that story mm-hmm. that. You know, Matt Martin basically kind of had his, not pick of the litter, but, you know, he kind of had a say in where he ended up when they were going to move him, mm-hmm. right? He wanted to go back to Long Island, so Lou made that trade work. I think that if that was the case, Josh Bailey would kind of be given the same professional courtesy that knowing that he's such been he's been such a cornerstone, he's been such a cornerstone. I know that's a very controversial thing yes, to say, but he's yes. been such a cornerstone with this organization. Mm-hmm. He'd be he'd be given that kind of respect um, if that was to come to light. And I think that's how that would play out. But I do I do agree with Sean. I think ultimately Semyon Varlamov has the most, you know, he's going to draw the most interest from a lot of different teams. Yeah, and, and as far as Bailey goes, I mean, again, love him or hate him, that's... He's still number one. That's another potential spot that you might have to fill. And it, and it comes down to whether or not Blue and Barry think that are going to put their stock into Wallstrom and Bellows where they can deal a guy like Bailey and feel comfortable that they can go to battle next year without him and have one of those guys in, in, the, in their place. And, and maybe that sounds great to some of you out there. It could, I mean, ideally, that would, would be great if, if they could get some assets for Bailey and have a guy like Wallstrom or Bellows step in full-time in that role and take over, and, and you don't bat an eye or you don't miss Josh Bailey. That's nothing personal against Bailey. That's just That's just the nature of... The, the team, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, you eventually have to move on from the older guys and fill them in with the younger guys. That's just how it goes. Is it time to do that yet now? I don't know yet. Listen, I just hope Josh Bailey brings the cup back when he wins it to whatever location he does <laughs> get, end up getting traded to and wins a cup there and leads this team to yeah. a Stanley Cup title. Uh, I don't Because that'd be pretty cool. I don't know if he's going to get dealt, but I will say this. I think if, there's more of a likelihood with Varlamov. I think there are... Absolutely. We, we've talked about it. There are, there are teams that could use a guy like Josh Bailey... For a yes. ton of different reasons. But Varlamov, right now, while I don't think that what you're going to get back is as high as what everyone thinks it's going to be, he's the one that holds the most 
potential to bring you a, a good return. Agreed. And here's my qualifiers for for trading Josh Bailey. You if, hate him, obviously. <laughs> end of show. <laughs> <laughs> no. A, if Barry and Lou think that can are going to bet on Wallstrom and Bellows to right. to to unseat him, so to speak, mm-hmm. next year, if they feel like they're going to be ready to do that, I think that makes it more possible. And then B, if the return that Lou can get for for Bailey is something he thinks is worth it, then he'll do it. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be much more complicated than that. It, it, I think it comes down to those facts. Or, or if Lou can bring somebody else in from outside the team, but you're obviously playing with a little more fire there because you don't know if you're going to get to make that trade. You don't know if you're going to be able to sign that free agent. So I think they have to feel a little more comfortable about what's happening within to, to be willing to deal a guy like Bailey when you still have him at least for next year. Yeah. Right. He's not a pending UFA. So, you know, I think it's less likely, but it could happen. <laughs> Big non-answer there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was thinking back to I was like, you really pulled the Lou Lamoureux there. You just talked and I learned talked from the and best. talked. And <laughs> I learned from the best. I didn't learn a gosh darn thing. <laughs> T-Boyle 13, question Bruin. When is the NHL... Wait, let me say this angry because I feel like that's the way T-Boyle wrote this. So <laughs> hold on. <clears throat> when is the NHL going to hold these referees, NHL player safety... And the war room accountable for these mind-blowing decisions. The non-coal was definitely in, definitely in against Colorado. The refs let the game get out of hand yesterday. Those bastards. <laughs> I, the well, last part is me editorializing. <laughs> Tom, the problem is, is that they don't necessarily think that they need to be held accountable. They think that they're doing as good a job as they can. Does that mean they're not, you know, keeping tabs on things? Of course they are, but... I don't think that the NHL thinks they're doing as bad a job as everybody else thinks they are. Yeah, I and, mean, you know, I, I, how much they're going to hold themselves accountable for it? I don't know. I think we've already kind of seen the answer to that question because it's been a lot of years now where a lot of these calls continue to be inconsistent. I do genuinely think they're trying to get the calls right. I don't think there's any conspiracies. I don't yeah. think that they're trying to favor one team over another, one result over another. I mean, you could dedicate a whole podcast to, to that, I suppose, but... <laughs> But at the end of the day, I think they're trying to make the right call. They certainly don't every time. There's no doubt about it. There's been plenty that I disagree with. I just I don't think much is going to change. I think this is just the, the world we live in with the NHL where sometimes they're going to get it right, sometimes they're not, sometimes you're going to love it, sometimes you're going to hate it. I think that, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, and that was the fact that if you look at the lack of transparency with so many other aspects of this particular sport with the NHL. It's consistent with that mm-hmm. because there is no there's no transparency when it comes to injuries. Like you can look at any other sport and basically they're gonna tell you down to the specific vertebrae or not vertebrae, but rib <laughs> right. you know, it'll be like the M three rib cage that's broken on the left side of his mm-hmm. patilla. You know what I mean? Like they're very specific. There's none of that in the National Hockey League. And for better or for worse that hasn't changed. Now, where I think maybe there might be some change or accountability or, you know, anything of that is perhaps as betting becomes more prevalent in the sport as more, you know, because I, I think that's sort of why a lot of these leagues have sort of changed their their stance with some of the transparency that's gone on. Now, does that mm. necessarily apply to the officials? Not, not totally, but I, I think that the changing mindset can only help get to that point because I agree. The fact that the, you cannot really make a request – for an official to, mm-hmm. to answer for what the reasoning was, I, I think is asinine. Uh, the fact that you can't 
I mean, the NHL does put out those those player, you know, um, Department of Player Safety videos and mm-hmm. the kind of the explanations. They have the, made improvements in that way. Like when they moved on from Colin Campbell and they right. brought in Brendan Shanahan and now Chris King. Chris King and and who, who runs the War Room? Well, David, right? And then you have David Perron, Peros, Peros, right? He's running. He's running player safety now. Not sure, but it's not as though you can really be like, like, all right, this is what you're telling me, but like, why? Like, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there's still the lack of transparency, and, and mm-hmm. that's the biggest confusion for anything. And, and, that's and the, the, and the truth have. is, man, there's so much gray area to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it's not always cut and dry. It's not always black and white, and. Unfortunately, the only choice we have is to put faith in the fact that they're trying their best to interpret that gray area to the right answer. I mean, again, you can be cynical and say no. They they right. kind of bend it to their will when they want, and maybe they do. And 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 it's you know you bring up the gambling thing, and it's so funny how not too long ago gambling was the devil to right. the NHL, and now they're 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 right in bed with them now. And and it is kind of I don't know if scary is the right right word, but. You know, you, you wonder if that could potentially taint the game down the road where when the gambling comes into it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I think you could – I don't necessarily know if I agree with that because I think well, you could say That's just a question. I'm not saying no, 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 it's no, going to no. happen. I know, but, I'm saying, but you posed the question. Yeah. I, I just don't – you know, it's it's an interesting change in the, changing in mindset because I think the NHL, like everyone else, saw the money – that came along with it. And yeah. They went, and they, you know, like, Let's get a uh, cut. like a cartoon, you know, like a Disney cartoon or whatever. They just saw, you know, dollar, dollar signs, signs in yeah. their eyes. And, yeah. and, you know, the stance changed all of a sudden. And listen, like the league needs the money, after, especially after everything that's been through with, with the COVID pandemic and, you know, all the revenue lost uh, from the league standpoint, from a team standpoint. Mm. And so they, they want every ounce, every, every single dollar that they can get their hands on. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious to see what sort of changes come from that as far as, transparency because it's tough to say to a better oh you should pick the islanders you you should have the islanders at minus 15 or i don't know i don't know betting that well so whatever <laughs> right, right um right. but but you don't know if their best player may or may not be playing tonight because he's day-to-day with a mm-hmm. upper body injury right so right. i'm curious to see how that changes question brewing from andremi 13 is matt martin on this team next year he looks done retire bought out question mark i think he's back whether really? whether he gets into eighty two games or not, I think he's back. Interesting. Yeah, I think he's back. Look, he's got a, he's got a couple more years on that contract he just signed. Yeah. I think Matt Martin's back. Sezikis is back, and and I think the the best fourth line in hockey casualty is going to be Cal Clutterbuck, and it may come on March twenty first. Interesting. I I I'm not sure to be honest. I don't know if he's going to retire, but I think it'll be the same kind of. Uh, but like, it, at a certain point, you got to move on. You got to move on. Look, like, look. I mean. He, Maybe in a sense, him and Ross Johnson kind of f- trade places where Matt Martin's the guy you're paying a million a year to never play, <laughs> but be in the <laughs> locker room and, and go in there when when it's time to throw him in there every now and then. But n- yeah, I think he's back. Again, he may not play 41 games next year. You know, I don't know, but I think he's back, whether, whether he's a big part of the team or not. On the ice. Question brewing. Yeah. Mel Armini, 22. Bold prediction, who do you think will win the Cup this year? I feel like this is a dangerous question for me. Well, you're either right or wrong. Well, no, I, I, my, the urge oh. to just pick one specific team. Oh, yeah. For, well, good luck with that. For a reaction. is One thing I love is that I don't think there's any clear favorite. I think that no. there's a lot of teams that can win. It's not like it's definitely these guys or definitely those guys. I know a lot of people are very high on Colorado. Mm-hmm. 
Every and year, the last couple of years, they've always been a, a cup favorite or a cup right, contender. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Florida Panthers. That's a bold prediction. Florida like Panthers that, are gonna win the cup this year. You know who I you know who I kinda wanna take? Because I think it is a bold prediction. Calgary. Calgary I like Flames. it. But this is Calgary, Minnesota. Yeah. I think these are all teams that can win. Notice they're mostly West Coast teams. You know, I, I think Florida is really good. I don't mm. know if they have, have enough to get over the hump. Tampa Bay, I don't know if they have the same juice as they have the they're last They're not winning years. the cup again. And, and that's then, not Islander bias. They're just not winning the cup And then year. you look at the East. You know, Pittsburgh, I think, is kind of the same thing. Like, do they have the juice to really keep doing this? Carolina, I don't know. If the, I mean, they're always on the cups of being this really fun, great team. But, but is I it, think, are they I, perpetually just a team that— I think Carolina comes out of the Metro. Right. I don't think that they win the cup. Is Carolina that that team now that's perpetually in the playoff? But is is, right. is Carolina the bridesmaid now, but mm-hmm. never the bride? Right. I right, don't. Right. I mean, listen. My urge to pick the New York Rangers just to screw with people <laughs> is very high. It's but not I, their time. But I, I don't think close, so. Yeah, I don't time. think it's their time right now. And then, yeah, it's, Toronto's not doing it. Like, let's let's be real. Again, my Toronto's ur- not coming out of that division. My urge to they're going to eat yeah. alive by the state of Florida, whether yeah. it's Tampa or Florida. They're not coming out of that so. I think it's a West Con- West West Coast team, Western Conference team, West West Conference team. I think Cal- Calgary would be a fun team to see make a run. Of all the teams also that are tolerable to see win a cup from the north of the border, <laughs> Calgary probably fits the bill. Okay. And maybe Winnipeg would fit the bill. Well, they're not winning a cup this year. But that's my But Those are the two cities where okay. I'd be like, all right, I'm happy for them. Toronto, screw off. Montreal, I hate them. Vancouver <laughs> is whatever. They'll if they made it to the cup final, they'd riot and burn their own city down like the idiots that they were last time. Um and I think I cover them. And I I mean Edmonton is Edmonton. It's hard to root for for Edmonton with some of their personnel that they have on the roster. They're not Leave going it at that. Out. They're not doing not, anything. But you know, that too. They're not doing anything. No way. But uh and 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 too, just looking I don't know if Los Angeles can kind of sustain the success they've had in into the playoffs. Los Angeles isn't going to the cup. And then Vegas is kind of a wild card, no pun intended. Look, Vegas is a team that can still win it. As long as Robin Leonard's healthy and look, they got Eichel now. Pacioretty's been in and out of the lineup all season. How how good does that trade how does how good does that trade look now for for the Vegas Golden Knights? Like I mean it basically became a deadline acquisition, right? You had yeah. to wait to get him, but I mean who, who there's no better player to get. But basically every team was like, ah, he's not gonna play till next year. He's not gonna play. No one expected him to play the I mean, I think it was always kind of out there that maybe it could happen, mm-hmm. but Jack Eichel like walking out like some sort of WWE badass right there, <laughs> all of a sudden out of nowhere. So I, th- I mean, I think that's kind of cool, and I think that that made that trade much more valuable to them now, especially than than it did even at the time. And and he's got enough time to get used to Vegas before they hit the yeah. playoffs. So like Vegas getting into the playoffs with he, Eichel, I think they're going to be really tough. He perfected his uh, his blackjack game. <laughs> well, that's good to know. But yeah, I, I like Vegas a lot with Eichel. I mean, that's tough. I mean. Again, Leonard's got to stay healthy. He's been in and out of the lineup a little bit. That'd like also be a great story too, to see Robin Leonard win a they cup. Have so, yeah, and they've so many good players. You know, you got Stone over there. He, he's he's had injury troubles and stuff like that, too. Riley Smith is great. They just have a lot of good players in that team. They have good D. I mean, I, I could see Vegas. I think I like Vegas more than Colorado. Again, hell, when healthy, right, I think right, I like right. Vegas that's more than Colorado. The, but, yeah, that's always the caveat to anything. And, you know, but I like your I like your Calgary pick. Yeah. I think they're a wild card out there in the West for sure. So, there you go. I guess you got, you got Calgary. 
Calgary from Christian. You got Florida from me. Yeah. And we got plenty of time between now and then to change our minds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and burn this tape so no one ever hears that we said these. Exactly. Do we have anything else? We do. We have oh, one wow. more question. One more. From, okay. Uh, now we're out of here. MJ Beckman. Uh, question, everyone. Why can't Sorokin cover his post this year? Seems to give up a goal from bad angles every game. Wouldn't say every game, but MJ Beckman, I think you are onto something. I was just commenting on that actually with my buddy yesterday. That yeah, he has given up more goals than you would like coming from like the goal line, right? <laughs> or even right. behind it. Weird angles. Weird, Weird angle angles shots. where he's just kind of keeping a gap open. Yeah, and you know these players have been lucky enough or maybe skillful enough to sneak the puck through that area. But you know what you can say about that? That's correctable. That's that's him spending time on his game, spending time with the goalie coaches yeah. and, and making sure he's protecting his post a little better than he is. So if that's the one glaring flaw to his game, it's something you can correct. Maybe he's just cheating a little bit too much towards, you know, anticipating a puck ending up on the other side of the net or whatever the case may be. But you're right. It's it's noticeable. It has happened. But I think it's something that he can he can minimize going forward. You also have to remember this is his first full NHL season, and there are going to be issues and, and things, especially sure. kind of going through the grind that maybe you're not used to. I don't. I think the interesting thing here as well, and I don't know why I keep using the word interesting. I got to find a different word. I got to leave like an like a, a not a thought provoking uh, a, a thesaurus <laughs> open in one of these things. To be like, All right, I'm going to use interesting. Sure, why not? Change it up. But one 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 aspect that is of note. That piques your interest. Yeah, that piques my interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, is is you know you always talk about how players playing their first eighty-two game season they're impacted this way, they're impacted that way. You yeah. never necessarily hear about specific impacts from the goaltending perspective, right? Like, I'd be curious to know how playing an eighty-two game season, or I mean, obviously they don't play every all eighty-two games, but what they're for a goaltender, what that first NHL, first full NHL season is like compared mm-hmm. to maybe what Sorokin's been through now, which is very, you know, very different. He played what twenty something games last year total, something like between that. the playoffs and the regular season. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that's also playing a part of it, coming too. from a bigger ice surface. Yeah. So I think the, as Sean Christian said, Arnold, Ilya Sorokin apologist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. I. Uh, that's fair. But no, I, I, right before you insulted me, I was going to say Sean makes <laughs> Sean makes a good point that those are correctable mistakes, right? So, right. but I, I won't say Sean made a good point. I will it's say too late. I, made a, I made a it's great on the point record. They're correctable. It's on mistakes. the record. Yeah. That's going to be the quote of the week, actually. No, <laughs> you not. complimenting my comment. Yeah. Is that it? That is it. Are you certain? I'm just making sure. There might have been some late additions there. Let's see. I mean, it's ten o'clock. I know. We well, to, you know what it was, Christian. We missed you so much. That we had to do a marathon there's show no, with you just, no, just to get no. nothing, nothing else. I didn't say anything. All right, folks. Well, especially those of you live, want to thank you all so much for yeah. hanging out with us. Thank you. This late into the night, going past two hours. But yes, thank you all for tuning in at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. Huge thanks to Scott Burnside of Daily Face Off for yeah, giving us plenty of time. Great stuff from him. And, of course, a huge thanks to R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. The best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game. Don't just go for the aisles. They have live music, comedy night, trivia, a late-night bar scene. They have it all. Big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, an official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around. 
Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great selections and hockey themed heroes. A huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at thaitechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. And another big thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise at oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York and get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. Christian. Hey, that's me. C underscore Arnold zero one on Twitter. That's also me. That's where you can find him. Follow me at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And remember, if you don't have any St. Patty's Day plans, or if you do, make new ones. St. Patrick's Day at the Marriott next to the Coliseum. We're going to do a live viewing party there, pregame show. We gave you all the details before. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come down, Isles Rangers, St. Patrick's Day. And if you have a really fun, good time at the Marriott, <laughs> you can just stay there. Get a room. It'll be great. A really great, fun time. Come on down, folks. Either way, we'll see you next episode, next weekend. You guys have been great. Thanks for all the questions. We'll see you next week. Thanks out. But also bye. Also bye. For Christian Arnold, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Peace out.